us how to love. They taught us how to live. And now they're back. Monster Ballad. 35 powerful hits on two CDs and two cassettes. Soft side. Get Monster Ballast. To order, call the number on your screen. This 35 track collection is not sold in stores. the Monster Ballads collection because I own them all individually. Album tracks. Isn't there a band called Monster Ballads 9? I think there's a band because I think I saw, I, I didn't see them perform, uh, but I think I saw them at the Twilight on the reader board. I think on the reader board outside the Twilight like last year. I Maybe they were just screwing with me. Maybe they were just trying to be cooking uh, the venue. But I drove by the Twilight last year and I swear to God on the reader board it was like... You know, nachos, two ninety nine, and below that, Tuesday, Monster Ballads 9. The thing about that commercial, too, is the guy's voice, the way he gets that uh, machete. That, if you've seen Grindhouse, that guy, he gets exactly that tone going up. Has a winger. Let me see if I can, uh, let me drop the Amano bed there for just a second. Let's where's the, uh, it's when he says winger, you can. Oh, hang on, I may have missed it. I may have to back up. Fantastic. Monster Ballads 9. You know, the unfortunate thing is the time has passed for me to make money doing that. I really, because I can do a passable imitation of that kind of speaking. I can sort of, I can fake that a little bit. Yeah, but there's, there's really no venue for that now. There's no place for those skills. I'm a man without a people. I'm a man without a tribe. All right. Why, hello. It's the, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, it's uh, 4 minutes and 38 seconds after the hour of 11 in this month of September in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the flushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. Solid State Radio. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want to be a part of today's program with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your, uh, your what have you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Scotty J at 970.am. Uh, Phone lines are open. Scotty J standing by as we speak. Hunched, bleary-eyed over a computer keyboard. Eager, ready, willing, and able to pass along your phone calls about the whatever. The interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever you feel like uh, bringing today, as they say. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We had to do a whole day 
You know, I hate to cop this. To, to, it's not really stealing from Dennis Miller because he doesn't really do this as such. Dennis does do this. He does this one really great thing that I wish I'd thought of, which is where every single day he has a different uh, artist from from where all his bumper music derives. From which? From who? Whatever. But, it, you know, every day he picks an artist and then all the bumper music is that artist. Like today it was all, um, the hell was it today? John Mayle, I think. The John Mayle's Blues Breakers. Uh, and then, uh, like the other day it was all Bowie and then it was all Zeppelin. It was all Clapton. We had to just do a day that's nothing but monster ballads. I won't even have to. I just have to go upstairs. I don't even have to go to my house. They're all upstairs on my MP3 player. This is wonder. I'm just looking through this right here. When I see you smile, "Love Is on the Way" by Saigon Kick. They sell that as part of Monster Ballads. "Love Is on the Way" by Saigon Kick is the worst song ever recorded. Just in case you were curious about that. Okay, so in some section of your brain you were wondering about the worst song ever recorded. It's "Love Is on the Way" by Saigon Kick. Do you know "Love Is on the Way" by Saigon Kick, Sarah? No. See, that's how bad it is. That it hasn't even... My generation didn't even deem Saigon Kick worthy of passing down to your generation. We just decided to leave that in the discard pile. We put them back... They're on the pile of discarded musical heroes, Saigon Kick. All right. Well, anywho, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Because there's always... There is a generational sorting uh, that takes place about every 10 to 12 years where the generation that is, I don't know, they're sort of leaving an era. It looks at the generation that is coming up, or maybe it's the other way around, but one generation sort of meets with another, and they decide what is going to be passed down musically uh, from one era to the next. And there's always stuff that gets passed down, and there's always stuff that gets left behind. You know, And, and if it's good, and over the years, really only the best stuff it remains because every generation is not only passing down their own music, but all the music that was passed to them by prior generations. Which is why I was just talking to, to Becca at KUFO Promotions today, and we were talking how they got a submission. They do this My Rock thing. Court and Fatboy do this My Rock thing where uh, listeners will send in like a list of ten songs, and then if they pick your selection, they'll play your ten songs, whatever, blah blah blah. And they ask your age, the last concert you went to, when you fill out the form, they kind of they give you they do a little survey of the listeners when listeners send in their 10 song request. And I was looking over this one submission, and it was from a 16-year-old high school student who listed his last concert as being Leonard Skinnerd, which is, it makes your brain hurt in like a hundred different ways. A, I don't even know how that's possible, unless he's developed some sort of weird flux capacitor that lets him burrow through the space-time continuum. B, what the hell? C, I mean, it's, the whole thing is just strange. But there are those acts from even 30, 40, 50 years ago that are good enough that they have been passed down now three or four different times, like Leonard Skinner, The Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, whatever before that, Frank Sinatra, and so forth. So when my generation looked at Sarah's generation and the generation after that and said, what power ballads shall we hand down? Uh, we decided to hand down Every Rose Has Its Thorn. We handed down More Than Words by Extreme. We handed down... When uh, I See You Smile. When I See You Smile by Bad English. We handed down Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. We did not hand down Love Is On The Way by Saigon Kick because it is crap. There you go. That's the longest mention of Saigon Kick that anybody ever, anywhere, at any time on any radio format has ever made. And we're done. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up today, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, Monday, and on this Monday we have CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard uh, who's going to be joining us in the Hill. Apparently, you know, I, I guess, the, the I thought the Osama Bin Laden video, I thought his big, his big fall release was coming out tomorrow. Is it coming out? Is it already out? 
This, uh, Tim, do you know if the Osama bin Laden video is already out? Has it dropped? I, I hear it, it's already out, and people are already critiquing it. Really? <laughs> it's been screener copies have gone yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Screener media release only, not for resale, not to be broadcast. So the, it's been leaked. The uh, the advance work print is are, is already on. It's, it's up on pirate bay. What's that? It's not an HD. <laughs> so the uh, the official street date on that, uh, they won't have it in stock, kids, until tomorrow. Well, whatever. It's kind of weird that Osama bin Laden is aging in reverse, though. If you watch the video, I've only seen a couple little frames from it. Didn't his beard used to be all gray? Yeah. And didn't he used to be old? Now, mysteriously, beard, black, Osama, young. I'm not saying it's all made up. I haven't seen it. I don't know. He's dead. He's dead. You know it's. You know that it's that it's either a old footage. Or it's just like they've, as my friend Brandon used to say, they've just gumped his ass. Uh, they've somebody with a computer, somebody has just sat down uh, in uh, like Adobe Premiere, and they have just taken old Osama and they've stuck some new words in his mouth. Well, we'll talk to Lisa Goddard about that. Uh, what else? General David Petraeus, blah blah blah. Iraq, blah blah blah. Quagmire, blah blah blah. What are we going to do? Uh, what else? And this is this is the only political news of the day that really counts. Attorneys, uh, attorneys for Senator Larry Craig are expected to file papers today to withdraw his guilty plea. I don't think you can do that. I mean, if you've already pled guilty, I mean, I guess maybe it's, I don't, it, did he already pay the fine or do whatever it is he was supposed to do? Well, whatever. Anyway, so he's going to demand that he withdraw, I, he's going to go to this wide stance business that apparently he's, as Tom Lycus said, apparently his his concern for Mother Earth's natural resources is so m- manifest um, that he just had to reach into the next stall to retrieve a square of toilet paper. I can't even say it without laughing. Anyway, uh, they're going to claim he suffered a giant... Do you think you'd phrase it this way? Here's how it's phrased. This is like the other day when he told the reporters, he said, I want to thank you all for... said, I want to thank everybody for coming out. You'd think that he would vet these statements with someone. This is, I swear to God, this is what uh, what uh, Attorney Larry Craig's statement says. It says, I suffered a manifest injustice in the hands of the police officer who arrested me. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, what else? Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Jim Roof today in Los Angeles about Phil Spector. Spectre, uh, who uh, I guess the jury's getting their instructions today, and then they're going uh, going to go in the room and decide that Spectre is crazy uh, and killed someone. Uh, just my theory. Uh, big geek news today. News uh, for which we have been waiting many, many, many months. Uh, geek news today. Uh, what else? Darwin Watch. Come, bad one, too. I mean, only bad if you're the guy. And even then, it was only bad for about a second and a half or so. But, I mean, really, it's... Wait, let me check. Yeah, that's bad. So we'll have a Darwin watch today. Bad way to die. It's like we had that thing the other day about that guy being killed at the Goo Goo Car Wash in Dallas or wherever the hell that was. This is right up there with that. Uh, let's see. What else do we have today? Uh, news on a coming rock and roll reunion. Uh, our hunt for the second worst story ever continues. We have a new contender for that. Uh, we'll be counting down the top five musical comebacks of all time. And I believe we have Peter Carlin coming up today. Is that true, Scotty J? Uh, do you know if we'll be graced by the presence of the truculent Peter Carlin? Okay. He just typed, mm, on the screen. Okay, well, well, he wrote, mm. that's what he wrote. He wrote, mm. Tasty Peter Carlin. Well, we'll look into it. We may or may not be talking to a Peter Carlin. It doesn't matter. There's lots of news. I mean, there's so much news. I now have, just me, myself, I have one, two, 
three, four, five, six main piles of news. Each of those six piles has about 30 pages in it. So I've got almost 200 pages of news stories today. Tim's probably got more than that over there. Yes, uh, it's just massive. Uh, so we'll get to all that here in just a, uh, just a few. It's 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello. Hello. I see you're wearing a sweatshirt from the Bronx, not the uh, borough, but the band. Yeah, it's the Bronx, L.A. Now, is that the, the Bronx uh, produced by famed musicologist Gilby Clark? You saw they were at the Hawthorne Theater, right? Yeah, they played earlier, so they played twice, and I was such a super nerd that I loved them so much the first time around I went and saw them again. Now, had you seen them before? No. Because, see, I've heard the record, but I've never seen them live. Yeah, I guess they're one of those bands, like the record, everyone's like, the record's live. okay, yeah, you've got to see the live performance. Yeah. It was so good. So when I saw them at Audio Cinema, they uh, played right before uh, Ghostface Killer. From the Wu-Tang? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He walked by me, he brushed my arm, and he had an entourage of about 15 people behind him. Excellent. And it just smelled like Hennessy and weed. <laughs> I swear, and this guy, he was huge, yeah. too. He's one of the tallest people I've ever seen. Just this giant black man with a big, like, he had, like, a towel around his shoulders. Yes. And he was, like, six feet, like, six foot six with, like, you know, 15 people trailing behind him. Now, did you him. see him perform? I stayed for a couple songs. It was really bad. <laughs> just decided F this and left. Seriously, I, I came in there with an open mind. I was trying to, you know, I, you can only hear certain things so many times before you're like... Was he using a lot of blue language? Any number of uh, racial And if he would have used it in a creative way, I wouldn't have minded. <laughs> yeah. But it was just, uh, I don't know, it was just icky. And, like, there he had, like, ten people on stage with him at the same time. You couldn't yeah. understand that the audio... Um, the audio for the Bronx is really good, but for him, it was all kind of was he just Was it just him in a backing track? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's what sucks. And then there was a DJ up there every once in a while just do, like, the, 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 the cosmetic, the, the DJ who was up there for no real reason, uh-huh. just standing there. That's Fat Boy and I. Uh, Fat Boy is sort of, you know, he's he you know, just is sort of an amateur DJ, and he does a, you know, he does some mixing and turntable stuff and whatever. And we were talking about how over time in hip hop, not like I'm some hip hop authority or whatever, but I mean over, but. And I don't really know that much about hip hop as you know compared to a lot of people, but at least having sort of been here as a pop culture observer from the, sort of the old school of hip hop till now, it's funny and sad how the DJ has just become. He's gone from being an integral part of the sound of a rapper to just being a guy who sort of stands there to make the rapper look like he's got street cred. I remember I was watching um, MTV a few years back. It was like some New Year's special, and there was somebody performing. It was like the Black Eyed Peas or somebody, and it was somebody somebody who who sucked. They weren't very good, but whoever it is is up there. They're doing, they're doing, they're rapping it, whatever, and they're doing some performance. And the camera is sort of circling around because it's MTV, so the camera's always moving. There's somebody up there doing their performance, and there's a DJ back there. Not doing a whole lot, but a DJ's back there. And then they they cut to this overhead shot of the the MTV stage, and there is the rapper, and then they do a straight-down overhead shot of the DJ. And you see him standing behind the two turntables, and you realize there is no vinyl on the turntables at all. Oh, my God. It's just the red felt. There's nothing. The DJ is standing back there with his hands sort of on the turntables. Tables, kind of bob into the beat. You looked at no vinyl, none, zero, nothing on the turntables, just there to make them look cool. So, so he did not. So Ghostface, what's his name, Killer, did not perform with the Bronx. No, no, they were they were separate. But it was kind of neat because you know the Bronx are more of like a hardcore right. rock band, and then you know watching that back to back with Ghostface yeah. was kind of interesting. All right. But the whole yeah, I went to like ten shows this weekend. Yeah. So how was that? Because I ended up I ended up being able to do nothing. I just I'm glad that I gave because I gave my pass to Sarah Wagner uh, upstairs, yeah. and I'm glad that I did that because I wouldn't even I wouldn't even able to make the the Cobain movie. I'm not which saying I that Sarah see. Wagner might have had a water bottle full of flavored vodka. I don't know anything about that. Seems likely though. 
No. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, her and Bozik and uh, Raul and I all um, hung out and went to a bunch of different shows. So, um, oh, how was Rilo Kylie? I didn't go. Oh! Yeah. Cause we I'm got sorry, to... I don't mean to, I'm not laughing. I'm just saying you got screwed twice because you were going to go see her perform the private set of her yeah. kink and you missed that too. You missed that because it was earlier than, um, than they had initially said. And then I just couldn't see her at the Crystal Ballroom with a bunch of like with screaming teenagers. With a bunch of commoners. No, not I couldn't com- go stand with the that rabble. That is not commoners. I just, uh-huh. I don't want, I just, I was not in the mood for the Crystal that night. All right. Blah, blah, blah. Can't even really talk. But I went and saw Lifetime instead at uh, the Hopland Theater and they were really good. Okay. That's some story. Okay. And I watched the VMAs last night, which were the worst thing I've ever seen oh, in my life. I got a lot to say about the VMAs. Oh. Oh. When Brittany jumped into that dance who's arm, you can see the look on his face. I didn't know she was this funny. <laughs> I know. Don't break them. Oh, my back. Yes. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk about the VMAs here in just a second. Uh, now, it... it so much to talk about in terms of music. So you went to, so you were at Music Fest Northwest all weekend, um, and then you did not go see Beyonce on Saturday. I Tim did, did you did not, because there were passes we had here as part of the CBS Radio family. Uh, we had passes to Beyonce. Uh, I didn't go, and Sarah, you didn't go. Um, can I tell why? Can I give you a reason? Okay, here's what Sarah said. Because there were initially lower bowl tickets available, which is, I guess, really good seating. Um, but, but we sort of got the hookup late in the day, and by that time, all they had were like 200-level seats, which are still pretty good, aren't they? Those are decent, 200-level. So I call Sarah, and I go, hey, by the way, I got those Beyonce tickets for you guys, because I was going to be able to go, but I know Sarah and Tim wanted to go. So I call Sarah, and I'm like, hey, I got those Beyonce uh, You're going to make me sound like a snob. I am replaying the conversation exactly as it happened. I said, I got those Beyonce tickets, and Sarah said, and I said, oh, but they're not for the lower bowl, because they, they, those had run out. They're for the 200-level. And Sarah said... Well, I don't really want to go then. I only want to go if they're top notch. Thanks anyway. <laughs> Seriously, because I'm not a. Shut up. I'm not the biggest fan of Beyonce. So it'll only be really worth it if I could get extra super close to see her with like her taped on hair and yeah. like, her, her, her costume changes. <laughs> we can see it on the big screen TV. So, what now with the 200 level? Is that a good. Did you have a good view of the stage? Yeah, it was pretty good. She didn't fall, though. No. That's really the only reason I would go. Is yeah, that, that was, was the only fall. reason why I went. Yeah. Was it. I mean. We, when I you, think they put those little slip things on the stairs. When you just get the little fl- the like appliques, the little like the old person plastic flower yeah. appliques. Um, now, when you go to see Beyonce, because I haven't been to see like a straight out pop show. It's it's timed out time. two hours exactly. Yeah, because it's got to be just absolutely totally choreographed yeah. down yeah. to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the last flat out pop show I went to see was probably Spice Girls. That was ten years ago. Um, and so is she just incidental to the entire thing? You know, I mean, are no, you there for her or is there a spectacle? It. She tries to do a Madonna show. Oh, that's unfortunate. Mm. And, and Madonna is really the gold standard for female singers. Yes, you don't get any better than that. As someone else learned last yeah. night, yes, there's there's no replicating Madonna. <laughs> right. And, and that's basically what happens. The the only bad part is because she does so many costume changes. Yeah. She leaves the stage to these musicians playing these instruments that nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah. Well, play, playing drums and, you know. And, and nobody really wants to see a drum solo at a Beyonce show. Right. I exactly. mean, it's one thing if you're there and you're watching John Bonham do it. And now a guitar solo while I go backstage and put on angel wings. And the, the dancers are almost as good as Madonna's, almost. Well, then you, you know, Madonna's probably a boot camp for that kind yeah. of thing. That's because Madonna tours so infrequently now mm-hmm. that probably when she's not touring, those dancers just go out and they hire themselves out like studio musicians. Like that guy, Eric Singer, who drums for Kiss. Whenever Kiss isn't touring, he just hires himself out to whoever needs a drummer. And Madonna's dancers probably do the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, she didn't fall. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following news uh, stories for your edification today. Uh, so we have this uh, General Petraeus thing going on today, and he says the search is working, and please wait six more months. 
And let's see. There's extreme heat on the way today. There's another attempted murder at the 82nd Street Max stop. They should just build a prison right there. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Just drop a cage the over there. The wanted criminals always end up at the 82nd Street Max stop every day. Uh, Senator Larry Craig tries to take back his uh, guilty plea for his men's room shenanigans. I'm not gay. Kid Rock smacks Tommy Lee in Vegas. And uh, bewildered Britney's MTV performance uh, does help the show's ratings a bit. I suppose. And Jane Wyman died. Yeah, we'll do a snuff watch for that, Jane Wyman, uh, later on. Oh, this uh, Mailman Chris points out that My Chemical Romance was a flat-out pop show. I, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not as I'm not. I'm talking about. I'm talking about something where really the the spectacle and the over. You know, where it's a lot of dancers and a lot of pyro and a lot of stuff happening on the screen, a lot of video stuff, where the music is really just a soundtrack to the image. Uh, and I know the snarky people would say the kiss is that, but I mean, it's. I think a lot of that has to do too with lack of real instrumentation. Uh, that's the other. That's the thing about a pop show. If it's a, if it's just a straight ahead pop show, to me that also connotes that really like a live band. Did you say did Beyonce have a live band? Yeah, she did. It was all women. Really? All women. Well, good for her. And that was doing big, it for themselves. That was the big thing that it, this show was all women. All right. So, um, hmm. well, let's see. Uh, before I do anything else, well, let's just talk. we got a couple minutes here, and then we got a break. Um, I won't hold this out any longer. I do. It may, you may have already seen this. If you went to my uh, blog, you may have seen me post about this. I'm just going to read this. This is from uh, NewZealandHerald.co.uk, but it's been reported everywhere. It says, uh, six digits. On the official website of Led Zeppelin was all it took yesterday to fuel fevered hopes that the longest-waited and most rumored reunion in rock history is about to be announced. The surviving members of the British band, widely held to have redefined rock music, are set to play their first full-scale concert in 27 years with a one-off appearance uh, in November in southeast London. Um, Anyway... But then, because I guess they're releasing some sort of, you know, yet, yet another compilation uh, later this year. But apparently they're doing Zeppelin, because they've only, they've never reunited for a full show, ever. Uh, not since Bonham died in 1980. Uh, they did a couple songs at Live Aid. They did a couple songs for the uh, Atlantic Records 40th anniversary thing. And then, of course, Page and Plant tour, but not as Led Zeppelin, because John Paul Jones wasn't there. Um, so, so the rumor is now they're going to do this full show, uh, and then that they're going to announce a worldwide tour. Led Zeppelin. It's not really Led Zeppelin because it's just because there's no John Bonham. It would be his son Jason Bonham, which they're probably cynics in the house, and I myself am among them. Uh, may note that they're doing that just so they can continue to use that Bonham symbol, you know, the four the four rune thing that they use. Anyway, so there you go. There's that. Um, we don't have time to talk a lot about the VMAs here, except uh, did we all see uh, did we all see the story about Kanye West? Yes. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I'm just going to read you the quote. This is coming from uh, the Associated Press. Kanye West, who was shot out of the Video Music Awards on Sunday night, threw a tantrum in front of me. I, there's no audio on this, is there? No, nope, I've been looking. Threw a tantrum in front of media and crew backstage. West, waiting for an elevator, began ye- See, I know this is the sort of thing that makes Sarah hate Kanye West, but this is the sort of thing that makes me love him. I kind of, I, I kind mean, of like him now. He's just great. This is the last statement when he said what he's not going to do anymore. So. Listen, two years in a row, man. Uh, quote: Give a black man a chance, said. <laughs> Said West. I love the idea of the phrase, give a black man a chance, coming from one of the richest people in pop music. Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy who never goes anywhere without a private Gulfstream jet. Give a black man a chance to get on my private jet and spend my spend my latest million-dollar royalty check. Did you see that weird Willy Wonka-esque like, um, room that he was playing? Like, no. You see, and all of them had the little striped sunglasses no. on? No, it I was, did not. It was bizarre. Jesus. He's a, a strange man. Anyway, he says, I'm trying hard. I have the number one record. Come on. 
This is like the third year in a row he's done this, though, isn't it? Then every year he goes and he gets up on stage and screams about how the, he's getting the shaft because he hasn't won, like, everything on Earth. Anyway, I dig that guy. I really do. Uh, uh, well, sadly, we have no time to talk about Britney. We'll have to do it uh, after we talk to Lisa Goddard. I mean, there's really so much to say about that performance. So uh, we will break here. Lisa Goddard around the corner. We'll talk Britney. We have Tim Riley at noon. We have a Geek Watch, Darwin Watch, Snuff Watch, Peter Carlin at 2. It's all in the way. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go... It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Uh, one of the top five musical comebacks, Peter Carlin at 2, Tim Riley at noon with the noon news hour, etc. Now, welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio Correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Goddard. Why, hello, and how is you? Uh, how is you? How? I'm just going to do, how is your weekend? How are things? And it all came out as how is you? Uh, hello, Lisa Goddard. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. Hey, who's Peter Carlin? Peter Carlin, uh, TV critic uh, for the Oregonian, author of uh, numerous best-selling musical books, etc. So oh, indeed. So Delightful. I'm sorry. I have a high school friend that lives, I think, around Portland named Peter Carlin. Well, he is from... Now, uh, what, what, in what state or city did you go to high school? Uh, we're here in Virginia. Uh, well, you know, I don't know where he's from, actually. I know he lived in New York before he was here. No, I don't think it's the same guy. So, no, probably, is, your, is your high school friend kind of snarky and pretentious? No. Oh, well, there you go. That's, <laughs> that's, therein lies the difference. No, I think we can rule him out based on that alone. No, my high school friend was delightful, but like like me, a very big geek. In fact, he is the guy, I don't know if I told you the story before, who made an entire mixtape uh, with just the song Cecilia by Simon and Garfunkel. Really? Again and again and again, yeah. That's pretty great. Uh, the equivalent to that was in high school. I had a friend of mine who made a tape that was of this Metallica song called Fade to Black. And it, uh, it was just 90 minutes of that. And then she would just sit in her room like, like I don't know, like carving poetry into her arm or right. something. And, you know, just sitting there, all is blackness. You know, that was it. So, all right. How were things? How was your weekend? It was good. It was, you know, I have new muscles now. I was lifting boxes, moving stuff around. It's good. Is this that where you, where you, again, as we've talked about this before, you're just finding out that you actually had muscles that you were previously not even aware of the existence of? Exactly, and I'm feeling them this morning, yeah. Punishing them by lifting an entire box full of coffee mugs or something up four (laughs) flights of stairs. All right. Exactly. Uh, Well, let's see. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. First of all, you may have already told me this, but is this, this Osama video, is it, is it out? Is it, or is it just leaking? Or have we just seen snippets of it? Or is he, I don't even, I, there's so much I don't understand about this Osama bin Laden video. First of all, where from where did it come? Secondly, is it actually out? Because I don't think I've seen it, but I get the feeling that it's it's out already. But I thought it was supposed to be released on on September 11th. It's all very confusing. No, it, you know, he releases these videos, or Al Qaeda generally releases some kind of video every year around September 11th, and usually they do it the weekend before September 11th, the Thursday through Sunday, sometime in that area. Uh, the video, honestly, I don't know where on the internet you can go to see it, but I know that it, that's where uh, the intelligent group, intelligence groups, uh, found the video on these uh, sort of websites that cater to and target. Um, like it's angry terrorist types, honestly, that these are actually websites that are used by terror groups to communicate. And now Osama bin Laden does have his own kind of PR branch. Al-Qaeda has a PR branch that 
put out this video, and you have a good question about where you can find it online. I'm not sure, but I have a feeling there are some Rick Emerson listeners who know, but I don't know. And then, and as I think you may have noted, he appears to be aging in David Bowie time, which is to say backward, because his his hair used to be all gray, and now it's all dark colored. And he's wearing similar clothing, but not the same clothing. And it does, I mean, I'm not saying the whole thing is fabricated, but it is all very suspicious that there are parts of it that seem incongruent in his appearance. And then I, But I guess he's talking about current events, or he's talking about the, he's talking about, about uh, Sarkozy and just a whole bunch of right, contemporary right, right. things. The Democrats taking over. He mentions uh, real estate mortgage problems in the United States. Uh, so he he does... He seems like it, these are current subjects, but it also seems to he has he has a detailed knowledge of some of these things that does that do seem to indicate that he has some time on his hands. <laughs> and to some extent, he really has been delving into this, which makes sense. I, I'm not so sure he's gotten out very much, uh, but I do think as far as how he looks, he he does have some puffy eyes that we haven't seen before. If you really look at his face beyond beyond the uh, oh so youthful beard. Uh, you can see that, that he, his face does look a little bit different. It's interesting because there was all of this discussion about whether he's alive or dead, or uh, that whether we'd blown him apart, or he, you know, he did his whatever his kidneys had failed while he was hiding at the bottom of some cave somewhere. And so there's this video out, but it, it's weird. It's almost like no one really seems willing to sort of like come out and say definitively, "Well, you see, he's still alive. We got to go after him," you know. And it's it, it's kind of strange that there's this sort of I, from where I stand, sort of an underwhelmed response to the whole thing. Yes, or or not. I don't know. I think it, what's interesting is that Homeland Security Advisor, the President, Brent uh, Townsend, said twice this weekend that Osama bin Laden is uh, virtually impotent. But then at the same time, we're hearing from the President uh, that al-Qaeda is a very serious force in Iraq, and that's why we have to stay in Iraq now, they are Al Qaeda in Iraq is a separate branch, you know, if if you would, of of the main bar Al Qaeda, but a bit of a spinoff. But they are connected, so it, it they're sort of saying two different things. Though Osama bin Laden is separate, he does have a, a hand, I think, in what happens throughout Al Qaeda, or at least in theory. Hey, uh, uh, just because I know you're you're kind of under the gun today, you got some things you got to do. Uh, oh, is, it is just wacky today, wacky, wacky. Yes. Has this is this really going to happen, or has it already happened that Senator Larry Craig's attorneys are now trying to withdraw his guilty plea so we can start this whole uh, bout of whimsicality all over again? Yes, they did. They did put that. Uh, they did put the paperwork in today in Minnesota to try and withdraw the plea, and it's a 16-page document in which they make their arguments are first of all that uh, here. Let me pull up that document that I've got right here. Um, they, they argued that essentially he was panicked. He, he pleaded guilty out of a panic because uh, a newspaper in Idaho had been talking about these allegations that he was gay, and so he panicked because he thought maybe there, an article would come out if they knew that he had had this incident, so he panicked and uh, signed the guilty plea out of an understanding that came from the police officer. The police officer said to Larry Craig in the bathroom, pay your fine, you know, sign the plea, and we'll be done. And the police officer also said, I'm, I don't go to the media, I'm not that type. Well, in this petition to withdraw, the attorney here is saying, Larry Craig thought part of the deal was the media would never know about this. <laughs> and that's why he said, he, thought it would, he said it would never be public. He thought that was part of the plea deal. To me, that's a pretty hard argument to make, being a U.S. senator and saying, well, I thought that I, I could 
have a conviction on my record, and it would be hidden from the world. Yeah, really. What color is the sky where he lives? <laughs> I, this... I didn't know that arrest records were public. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's not yeah. a, really. That's not a guy I want sitting in Congress actually writing laws if he's somehow that uh, unaware of the judicial system. I think he has a difficult argument to make. Now, on the case itself, he may have a, an easier argument to say, listen, the police officer thought one thing. It's, it's he said, he said. He, you know, he he's wrong. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't making a move. I just, I'm six feet tall, and I, you know, I need some space. So my feet sometimes wander over into another stall. You know, so, you know, you can say there's two versions. There's no eyewitness other than these two guys. That that I think has a much he has a much stronger case as far as the original allegation, but as far as why he pleaded guilty, you know, he's saying that he panicked. Of course, it was seven weeks after the arrest that he signed the guilty plea, so that is a, a long moment of panic for yeah, sure. Really? But, uh, oh, there's my boss calling. I'm all right. Okay. Hey, yeah, General Petraeus is uh, talking to Congress right now, saying uh, we should withdraw thirty thousand troops. Let's say uh, he says by next July he wants the search to end, but not sooner. All right. Well, we'll cover all this the next time we talk. Enjoy okay. the rest of your day. Thank all you, right, guys. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard. There you go. All right. Whatever. Okay. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to say it either. It's okay. Don't worry Although, about it. Mm, no, no. Don't. It has nothing to do with Lisa. No, it has way. nothing to do with Yeah. Nothing to do with Lisa. Uh, I'm just looking at my watch. My watch says it's 1139. All right. <laughs> Ow. Oh, that's loud. I wish I knew how to quit. I just deafened myself. Can I kiss you on the mouth? Please let me. Ow. Good morning, Metolius. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Scotty J. Hello, Scotty J. Well, good morning, Diamond Lake. How are you today? We're doing great, Rick, and you? Is that a place or just a lake? I think it's kind of a place lake. I think there's a little city there. See, I don't, I don't that was legitimately nothing. funny. You know why? Because you were just trying to answer the question honestly, using you know, using the firepower you using had. the ability of lying, yes. using the uh, using the brain God gave you. How are things? How was your weekend? Busy. Are you uh, hungover today? No. Are you sure? I had a little bit of a bad hangover on Saturday morning, but it went away quickly when I drank a viso. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so a couple things. A, we have Carlin at two. Yes. Okay, that's coming up at 2. Uh, and then uh, are you, you are assembling the top five? Yes. Okay, have you have you moved on from this idea of using... What was your idea? ABBA. <laughs> no, see, you were, this, sometimes I feel like... And this is the top five today was largely assembled by me. I mean, I think I came up with five of them, and I wanted to get six. I wanted to have an honorable mention. And I feel that sometimes I don't really convey the notion of what the top five is about uh, sometimes. Because I was talking about top five rock... Uh, comebacks, and I think that what was the one you were but, insisting but it, on it, using? It's easy to get that confused. Were right? you talking about? Were you does talking it about, mean a rock comeback? I mean, the Eagles or somebody? Yeah, but does it mean a rock comeback that they'll come back to play the same hits they used to play? They're back together. The Eagles well, no, were because by oh, that no, for twenty no, years. You see what I'm saying? Because no, because by that rationale, Steve Miller has had a huge rock comeback. Steely Dan, big rock comeback. No, they have. No. They had a hit. No. They had a top album uh, just recently. No, they, after their sing comeback. Me, sing me, please, the the latest Steely Dan single. The, okay, I just let me say. You this. don't even know it. I you can't don't do know that, it. But they won a Grammy for their uh, Nature's Beast or whatever the heck the name is. <laughs> Obviously, it really etched its way into your brain. <laughs> Clearly, it made a huge impact on you. Okay. Anyways, I so got the gist. The I, other I was what I, was the other one? Uh, the other one was oh, I was saying Fleetwood Mac. Mac. See, they did also, have a huge comeback. They, they, they didn't. Uh, they had a tremultuous. Just because uh, they had a what? Uh, don't make me spell it. Tremult. 
tumultuous uh, time as a band. Right now, I would settle for for pronunciation on this one. Um, <laughs> do you have gum in your mouth? No, I think that's how I would say it. Doesn't uh, it sound like he has something in his mouth? It really does. You're not well, chewing on it's gum funny or anything? Every, you know, I, a funny thing happened on the way to the studio, Rick. Every time you call me, I have my mouth full of food. I swear, this happens every time. What are you eating right now? I was eating Cheez-Its. <laughs> yeah, and they flew so all over the room. Basically, full of paste right now. And that's how it feels. Yeah. Okay. So, Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> pasty mouth. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac had a what? A tumultuous time <laughs> together. <laughs> okay, right, what's so the word Scotty, I'm looking for? What? Why don't you I, fix it for me? Please, so Scotty, if Britney Spears is making a comeback, could she not make a comeback with new songs? Does it, do they have to be her old songs? They, you can make a comeback with old songs. No. Th- see, that's not a comeback. That's a reunion tour. There's mm-hmm. a difference. A comeback to me denotes new material. Well, the Eagles did have new material, right? But Please I can't sing me, say any yeah, of it. The, no, they didn't. Because that's why they're making such a big deal about the fact that they have uh, that this new record has their first whatever. Um, please just smell. Uh, smell. <laughs> Please just spell whatever that word is you're using in reference to Stevie or to. I Texas can't Stevie obviously. Fleetwood okay, T R E M O L Yeah, you're having to write it down, see? I'm keeping track of the word you're spelling. Go ahead. Now, here's the tricky part. Is it C or is it... Yeah, I'm going to go with the C. C (laughs) C-H-U-I-S. Here's the word you just spelled. It's over there on the right of the page. Tremol-chi. I know that that the word exists. I'm just A, not pronouncing it right. (laughs) Not spelling it right. T R E M O L C H U I S. Tremolchuis. Tremolchuis. I go by my own words. That's how I roll. You make your own. You make your own law and your own vocabulary. Uh, I wonder what these people could be calling. Hello, Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hi, Rick. Hi. I uh, wanted to report a viso sighting, if I may. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, Johnson Creek, Fred Myers has it by the case in a uh, like multi-flavor case. There yeah, the uh, they've Candy actually been taught. They sent us an email about that the other day. I think that's only in the outlying Fred Meyer locations, but they are going to be bringing that to the city, as they say. Well, well there you have it, Johnson Creek in Clackamas area. Excellent. Um, also, uh, Scotty, it's called Webster's. Um, I think Webster's uh, requires that you actually be able to <laughs> passingly spell the word. And uh, finally, pleased to be getting the soundbite off of Princess Bride. The one about the, I'm thinking that word doesn't mean what you're thinking it means. Oh, yeah, the Inigo Montoya thing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Uh, it's probably that he's trying to combine tremulous and tumultuous, right? Oh, I think tumultuous. You're there we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Are you thinking that's a separate word, Scotty? I thought it was tumultuous, but it's tumultuous. Okay. Right, but then there's also tremulous. You might have thought that as well. but No. Hey, I just, uh, I'd like to go out by saying Tim Riley's a news god, and Kelly Clarkson has no jawline. All right. Thank you. Bye now. Uh, one more. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? I was going to say uh, the tumultuous, tremulous thing also, and uh, also wanted to comment on uh, the Al-Qaeda thing. I think he's using, uh, was it uh, Just for Allah? Isn't it the uh, Middle Eastern version of Just for Men or something like that? Just for all of uh, uh, That's all, kind of fun. Just for all of y'all. All right, thank you. All right, all right. 
All right, tumultuous. Now that you know the word, please just spell tumultuous. T M. Hold up. <laughs> okay, T M. No, T E M. Hold on. This is your final spelling. T E M. O L T. I O U S. Something like that. I'm close. Let's right. see what it looks like. There. This is the. Uh, that's the word he spelled right there. It <laughs> doesn't look right, does it? No, that's closer. Can we please have him stop spelling things? Tamaltius. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, so we'll have Peter Carlin. Yes. All right, thank you. Okay, thanks. Now there's Scotty J, ladies and gentlemen. Going into the night, as only he can. Do we have breaking news? I do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's uh, go to do some breaking news here. Hold on. Let's. I don't know where my CBS breaking news center. Here's Tim Riley with some breaking news. This comes from uh, Mayor Potter's office. Potter? To all elected officials and city employees. Today I have announced that I will not run for re-election in 2008. Really? This has been a very difficult decision to make, in no small part because of the respect I have for all of you and the pride I take in the work we've been able to accomplish together. What is that? Oh, they opened up the bathroom all night. Uh, no one who holds Craig this, style. No one who holds this office can hope to accomplish anything. Oh, without relying on the dedication, hard work, and creativity (laughs) of the people who are the city of Portland. This is a bittersweet day for me. I am excited about the challenges that lie ahead of us and what we can do together over the next 16 months to continue to build a... And he folded this in at the last minute under a different font. A Portland that is welcoming, vibrant, and a special place. That's where, like, like it, you know, reading that, it only takes as long to uh, to write that as it takes to flick your eye to the next line. But really, when it came to writing that, obviously, yeah, obviously, there was a the long, minute. long, long pause there, while he and his lackeys huddled around the word processor, figuring out exactly to write this. This is this is how it looks. Just when you read this, I will simulate how this looks. While this is a bittersweet day for me, I am excited about the challenges that lie ahead of us and what we can do together over the next 16 months to continue building a Portland that is welcoming, vibrant, and special place. <laughs> That's it. it. And you're right. It's in a totally different font size or po- a font, a totally different point size. That's where. That's one of those things where, as he was writing it, he just put in some some red X's with like you know, go back and finish later. A Portland that is welcoming, vibrant. That is a welcoming, vibrant. Missing the comma there, and special place. Well, that's wonderful. Does it say? Does he say why he's not? No, that's the whole thing. All right. Not that anybody cares at that point after hearing. I that. was just going to say, no one gets past the will not run for a re-election in 2008. Everybody's done, done at that point. Well, there you go. Can't. All right. So Tom Potter not running for re-election. He will be missed by no one. I was, was going to be more charitable. I was going to say someone. Someone. Uh, he'll be missed by someone. A person unknown to us at this time. Uh, we should break here. Shouldn't we? We'd be on time. Oh, look at that. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, uh, Brittany and uh, all other things that are happening in this world. It's 503-733-2970. Snuff Watch, Darwin Watch, Geek Watch, all on the way. The Rick Emerson Show continues next with Tim Riley and the new News Hour. Stay there.
It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Attention, Sarah Dillon. Apparently, Bill Pullman is going to be directing some off-Broadway work. There is, I swear to God, one, two, there is a three-page story on Bill Pullman in the Los Angeles Times. I can't imagine what there is. I mean, look at look at the size of this type. It's tiny. How much could there possibly be to say about Bill Pullman? Bill Pullman's a genius. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, there you go. Apparently, that's what there is to say. Listen to this. This is how you want to be described by the L.A. Times when they're doing their big puff piece. He stirs the same pleasant feelings as an anonymously attractive neighbor. There you go. There's your ringing bill. Apparently, he's, um, let's see. Uh, he's sitting in an office at the Magic Theater where he's currently in rehearsal with a young company of actors for Expedition 6, a documentary movement theater piece that he has conceived, devised, and is now directing. Bill Pullman says, quote, it's time for me to get back to my roots. All right, there you go. Back to his roots, Bill Pullman. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, uh, top five musical comebacks, uh, Peter Carlin, James Roop. This, however, at the Ministry of Truth is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Doing the best you can not to be overcome by the heat. There's a heat advisory in effect today. And temperatures could reach 94 degrees in the Portland metro area. The record uh, is 98 degrees. And we and uh, in the desert, it's going to be even hotter. So. What did 98 over oh, for this day? Yeah. All right, okay. Mm-hmm. The record for September 10th. Mm-hmm. And, of course, tomorrow is 9-11. Yes. I wish... And, uh, there was this whole uh, debate. I opted not to, to have anybody from CNN talking about this today. But I guess there's, even in New York, I guess there was some debate about who's going to be covering and who's going to be doing what. And mm-hmm. what I, there was some uh, like some station in New York had just said they weren't even going to be talking about it. They were just going to be playing Regis and Kelly. Oh um, yeah, that was uh, Channel Seven in New York. Channel Seven. They were just like f that. We're just going to play Regis and Kelly. But then I, there was apparently some flood of complaints from yeah. the audience, which I find difficult to believe. I, I, I mean. Not that one should not be respectful of the memory of, you know, everything. Uh, but I, I find it difficult to believe that all the, a bunch of people were calling up Channel 7 and going, no, 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 we demand more footage of 9-11 be played tomorrow. We we insist. We insist that you play footage of 9-11. I mean, because Lord knows there's going to be a paucity of outlets for 9-11 footage tomorrow. So uh, we will be mentioning it. Uh, we will not be dwelling because, you know. Cause... You and Clyde were downtown that morning. I remember that. Uh, well, they sent us downtown. Yeah, because I, because uh, uh, what the hell? Oh, I was in my house. Um, and, uh, I, uh, got up and, uh, just, ch- and I had a voicemail, uh, from Bruce Agler, who was the program director at KFTK, uh, which is where we were at that time. And it the Bruce just said, well, it's Bruce. I'm, I'm sure you've heard, you know, just getting out of the station. And I'm like, well, what, what is, has, has Ed Till been, uh, been attacked by vultures somewhere? I'm like, I just, I assumed it was some sort of Ed Till news because Ed was out on vacation or something. It was supposed to be back that day. Uh, and I was just assuming that like something something had happened to Ed Till, and I thought not Ed Till. Uh, and, 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 but then I turned on the television and blah blah blah. Uh, so we went to work, and then uh, Clyde and I went down to Pioneer Courthouse Square. Uh, and the first guy we first guy the guy we came upon was some guy screaming at the top of his lungs about like the trilateral commission or whatever, and that kind of set the tone for that whole everybody we talked to downtown. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, so we'll be we'll be mentioning tomorrow. We will not be dwelling tomorrow. Just FYI. So what's happening at Channel 7 in New York? They were going to break with tradition in opting not to broadcast the full reading of the 2,749 names. Uh, are you kidding me, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. And it said that people were upset and confused, and they got lots of emails. I, so uh, Channel 7 will do that. I don't really... Okay. Fine, fine. 
I mean, they're in New York and I'm not, so I'm in no position to tell them how to feel about anything. But again, it does it does seem like there is no shortage of places uh, to go and and to just you know have that uh, that injury poked all over again in your brain if you really feel like that's the sort of thing you need. Um, but you know, whatever. All right. Well, there's lots of stuff here to talk about. Uh, first of all, Mayor Potter is not running again. Once again, Mayor Potter. So who's going to be the new mayor? Who knows? Waiting to hear the sound of a million souls crying out in horror. It just didn't I, I just hear silence. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Washington County investigators are looking for a witness to a car crash last night that left one dead, two hospitalized. This happened on Highway 47 to Banks. It rolled over three times, caught fire. Two people got out, one did not. Uh, Dosh Road is open after a brief closure last night after Portland police responded to reports of a man firing a gun in the house. Apparently, the, uh, the 70-year-old man was upset by his uh, medical condition, or probably receiving a, ho- uh, a hospital bill. A Clark County woman was in jail after calling 911 to report she shot her husband and didn't know if he was still alive. 51-year-old Eddie Martin of Richfield was taken to Southwest Washington Medical Center with extensive damage to an arm and a leg. Is expected to survive his injuries. These are 16-gauge shotgun blasts. Uh, Cheryl Martin is being held in Clark County Jail. Two counts of first-degree assault currently. So she, she shot called him 911 after she shot him. This is like that guy uh, that we had a few months ago that called 911. I shot my wife. Let me see if she's dead. That guy. This is exactly the same thing, but with a woman. All right. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Apparently, he was accused of having an affair. It's too bad they had a nice house. Well, now it's on the market. Saying. That, that is true. Now, their loss is, is a realtor's gain, Tim. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so we need to build a jail at the 82nd Avenue Max station because that's where all the uh, criminals congregate. Somebody should run for mayor on that platform, and I think that person ought to be on you, Tim platform? Riley. No, some, no, not literally on that, but somebody ought to run for mayor on the platform of just throwing a fence uh, all around that section of 82nd and uh-huh. just calling it a new prison. You know I, what I mean? I mean, there are criminals breeding there like roaches. <laughs> Uh, I can't really... You'll notice I'm laughing, but not disagreeing. The, the weird thing was, when I was coming back from the airport, I, I looked, next up, 82nd, uh-oh, what's going to happen? You sort of brace yourself. So, so they stop, the doors open, and the cops are trying to handcuff this guy. The guy gets away, runs in front of the train down the railroad tracks, crosses... Um, 84 onto the other side, and I guess they nabbed him on the other side. Excellent. If you get to 82nd, and all over the train, you can just hear the sound of people taking their guns off of safety. So, apparently, there was an attempted murder and gang attack last night. Uh, I should say Friday night at the 82nd Avenue Max platform. Like, anybody will be surprised that that's there. Uh, somebody got uh, stabbed. So, somebody's probably looking for it anyway. Why else would they be there? It's too bad the Max can't just skip the 82nd. If you could push a button and only certain cars would have the door open at the 82nd Avenue. I'd probably just send the armored car yeah, right through there. Yeah. You know, I, as I was saying, it ought to be really, when you get to that part, it ought to be like one of those Japanese bullet trains where it just blasts through that area as quickly as possible. I think so. All right. So anyway, uh, somebody gets shot or stabbed there. but Again. I mean, what are these people worth anyway? Right? <laughs> yeah, if you're hanging around the 82nd Street back stuff. <laughs> Your number is just about up anyway. You're, you're past the point of being safe. Uh, just get a high-pressure hose out there and keep it ready. It's like that guy. It's like that guy says at the beginning of the Alcatraz movie with Telly Savalas, mm-hmm. where as um, as Clarence Carnes is being taken to the Rock, and that uh, the the guard is giving them the, the the lecture about the type of people in Alcatraz. You are beyond reformation. Society has deemed you of no value. That is why you have come here. You are beyond saving. 
That really is, uh, that just describes whole sections of the city. Uh, by the way, just real quickly, because you were talking about um, uh, this, uh, the, the shooting and the house on the market and the uh, the husband who cheated or something, or the wife who cheated. Was it the wife who cheated? It was husband, the husband, allegedly. It's always a husband. <laughs> no, not always, Tim. Let me just read this story to you. I don't really care about what's going on in the world of country music, but if you know uh, Sarah Evans, who actually is a pretty great singer, her first album. Oh, is uh, that the crazy lady? Well... I suppose. Well, as we read the story, it'll, it'll become clear that she may be any number of things. Um, okay. I, I don't know. What do you mean crazy? Well, apparently she said um, she was the, the person who had problems with the law in the past. I'm not really sure if that's her or not. Well, let me just say this. This is, let's see, country star Sarah Evans' husband is asking the singer in a court filing whether she was romantic. This is what you want to be asked in a court filing in, in like, the, the, the public has access to. In open court, this is the question you want to be asked. Have you been romantically and sexually involved with nearly a dozen people, including Kenny Chesney, Richard Marks, and Dancing with the Stars partner Tony Dovalani? Dovalani? I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. Okay, but this is not really the money statement here. The 118-page document was filed Tuesday in Williamson County Court as part of Evans' divorce from Craig Shelsky, according to the Tennessean newspaper. It asks Sarah Evans to state under oath and penalty of perjury whether or not she admits to a sexual romantic involvement with Kenny Chesney, Richard Marks, the Dancing with the Stars guy, or any member of her band. Was this all in one sitting? <laughs> or lying? Do you mean the, the questioning or the uh, fairing? The, um, the activity itself. Well, those guys may not all have been at once, but the statement also seeks to find out if there were sexual relationships with Brad Arnold, Matt Roberts, Todd Harrell, or Chris Henderson, all members of the group Three Doors Down, that's that's what you want to ask in court. Did you stoop the entire band of Three Doors Down? I mean, really, honestly, <laughs> that he is accusing her in court of having sex with not just Richard Richard Marks of all people, Kenny Chesney, but then, by the way, did you also bang the entire group? Three doors down. And three doors down is really, I mean, you're sort of slumming it there anyway. Um, let's see. Uh, she has not yet responded. Uh, the three doors down guys won't respond either. If I were them, if I, I would totally get out in front of this train, uh, so to speak, uh, if, I were, uh, if I were them. If I were, the, I would, uh, if I were the three doors down guys and you're a rock band and you're trying to, you know, it's not like they're nobody, but they're not that huge. If I was the guys in Three Doors Down, I would try to burnish my street car by just put it scrolling on band letterhead like a big F, yeah, you know, and just fax that to everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, we hit it like the fist of an angry god. Signed Three Doors Down. Bam. And then just send that to every web. Send that to TMZ today. Anyway, in previous court filings, Shelsky alleged that he had learned of his wife's intimate relationship during dinner. After which, police, after which police were called to the restaurant. Doesn't specify the restaurant. Richard Marks. Uh, and Kenny Chesney, I, uh... That is a waffle house. That's like that one time when Lindsay Lohan fell down the stairs at uh, Brian Adams' house. Yeah. Like, and what, you, are they, what are they doing with these people? I mean, no, you got to give it up to Brian Adams, though. Brian Adams, keeping his aging Canadian pimp hand strong. The, it's, it's no longer the summer of 69. No, it's... I'll skip the afternoon of 69 joke here. Um... The Kenny Chesney thing is the one that throws, I think, people a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, people calling about whatever. This is Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Uh, Coast Guard rescue helicopter airlifted an 80-year-old man who was near death from a cruise ship 60 miles off the Oregon coast over the weekend. 
They tried to revive him, but it didn't help. The crew of the HS-60 Jayhawk uh, helicopter from Astoria took the guy for OHSU, and uh, they don't know anything about his condition. His name is not yet released. He was on the ship Don Princess with nearly 2,000 passengers. Well... I don't know what to say. This about. is one I can. I, this, we've been working together long enough now that I can actually tell exactly what some of your one-syllable non-utterances mean, and that one is the. I'm not quite sure how to handle this next story, but I'll just say it. Well, the new law says we're allowing Mexican trucks on American roads. However, this one didn't quite make it that far. A dynamite-laden truck exploded after colliding with another vehicle on a busy North Mexican highway, killing at least 34 people. Oh, sorry. And leaving a 40 by 10 foot crater in the concrete. More than 150 people were also injured. You would think if you were driving a truck filled with dynamite, you would be extra cautious about getting into the passing lane, for example. And the dead included at least three newspaper reporters. It's unclear if the explosive uh, truck driver was among the dead. He might have just been Explosive truck away. driver. That guy just exploded out of nowhere. This weekend, Mexico began sending its first tractor trailers across the U.S. after a long-delayed NAFTA-mandated program, and NAFTA is good for everybody. Of course. Before that, Mexican trucks were limited to a 25-mile zone along the border. Now they're able to bring their deaths to, to, to all manner of places. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, by the way, speaking of, of people exploding, has anybody here seen the... I wish I was making this up. Has anybody here seen the trailer for the new Rambo film? No. No, it's awful. No. Uh, you know, because Sylvester Stallone got back in my good graces. Not a lot of people with Rocky Balboa, which is a great film. Not a groundbreaking film, but it was good. A good fitting farewell to the Rocky saga. A good way to redeem that saga because it had sort of fallen off. Um, and a lot of us were hoping that having done Rocky Balboa and closing that out, because Sylvester Stallone can be a good actor when he wants to. He just doesn't really want to that often. We were thinking, all right, maybe he'll do something of value. Maybe Sylvester Stallone will create something of substance. No. No, no, no. Um, there is a trailer out now, and it sounds like a joke, but it's not. There's a trailer out for the fourth uh, Rambo film, which, just like the sixth Rocky film was called Rocky Balboa, this one's just called John Rambo. Um, it's terrible. It's so great, and it's so terrible. The one thing I will say about this, and I will get back to the exploding man business, is having seen the trailer for the new Rambo film, you really don't need to see the movie. And people say that a lot about trailers, but it's really true with this one. You don't need to see the, the movie at all, having watched this. But the great thing about this is, I'm just going to tell you, here are two things that happen in the Rambo trailer. This sums up the entire tone of the new Rambo film. And both of these things are real. I am not making this up. And the, the trailer's real, too. He showed it at Cannes, of all places. Mm. You know, because that's what the Cannes Film Festival is all about, showing the trailer for Rambo 4. Um, both of these things happen in the trailer for Rambo 4. I was watching it with Court and Fatboy the other day. Rambo punches a guy's head off at one point. Off. <laughs> off. He comes up behind a guy. Bam! Punches him, guy's head. Off. Is that actually possible? Yes, apparently, That's if you're like, John Rambo. What, what's that horror movie called? It's called The Story of... Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The Story of Jim... It's like some kung fu movie where they actually, like... It's one of the bloodiest movies ever made, and this guy punches another guy's head off and, like, uh, punches through people. I don't know. I mean, in a kung fu what movie, or a movie that's sort of tongue-in-cheek... Um, you know, I guess that sort of thing is acceptable as sort of camp. No, in the Rocky film, he punches a guy's head clean off of his body. Second greatest moment of the Rambo 4 trailer. Um, everything Stallone touches in this trailer blows up. Uh, everything he shoots with an arrow blows up. Everything he looks at blows up. It's like watching Top Secret. But at one point, Stallone grabs a guy, 
throws a guy, like, across the screen, the guy lands on his back in a swamp and explodes. <laughs> the guy, he throws a guy, the guy lands across the screen and lands on a swamp and just blows up. <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't even, it's I've heard so of people being insane. Com- I've heard of people being combustible before. No, they're, they're explodable. He just, he punches the guy, the guy cartwheels, lands on his back, <laughs> and blows up. I was watching this preview for Dragon Wars yesterday where there was a dragon that just exploded for no reason. What is Dragon Wars? I don't know. Some really bad-looking movie. Is it a new movie? It's a new movie. I saw it as a preview but um, during the VMAs. And my friend Jay's like, and oh, a dragon just totally explodes. red. They incorporate the two things that love dragons and wars. So realistic when the dragon explodes. All right, anyway, so there's... I saw an alien bite somebody's neck off on Torchwood the other night. You do... On what, huh? Torchwood. What it's, is that? It's a BBC America show. Oh, really? It's a takeoff of Doctor Who. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, you have to watch it. Is it a comedy or is it straight ahead? Straight, straight ahead. ahead. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Dave. How are you what, doing? What's up? Uh, you owe me one detail for my automobile. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, sir? <laughs> I was listening to you, and occasionally you forget how damn good you are at what you do. You blew by the phrase, uh, get ahead of the train of this uh, story. Oh, the four guys banging Sarah Evans, uh, allegedly. Yeah, um, wow. I got an entire cab full of jacket box just coating my entire window. Okay, now you, now you owe me some lunch because I'm not going to be able to eat mine, so thanks for that. What uh, what were you eating? Uh, Jack in the Box, some sort of chicken sandwich. Crud. Some sort of sandwich. Crud. It has the word chicken in it. Try the new crud from Jack in the Box. Yeah. Actually, well, I'm sorry to have caused you to yak your crud back up, sir. Uh, not a problem. Hey, uh, by the way, I heard the new Viso uh, jingle. That's, that's a nice little ditty. Yeah, it is. It's uh, It's got kind of a cool... Like, you can see the Manson girls sitting in a circle and strumming ukuleles to that. Yeah, well, it gets me up every day, so uh, well done for them. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Some sort of jack-in-the-box crud. Attention advertisers. It's just a stick of butter (laughs) molded into whatever that. Would you you like to try a new bag of fat? Here's uh, Tim Riley. A high school teacher in Southern Oregon plans to challenge the school district policy that prevents her from carrying a gun to school. Uh, apparently, uh, let's see, there's a state statute that prohibits local governments, including school boards, from restricting possession of firearms by concealing firearm permits, says the lawyer. We need more guns in schools. That's the answer. The teacher wishes to remain anonymous, but his her name will be listed as Jane Doe. Her, the teacher wishes to remain anonymous, but will subsequently be identified on dozens of student MySpace profiles. She's a divorced woman and obtained a restraining order against her ex-husband, so that's part of the problem. Uh, we want to provide a safe learning environment for our students and a safe working environment for our employees, say the school people. We feel that would not be fostering by allowing folks, whatever they have the authority, not to bring weapons onto campus, and particularly fire up loaded firearms. So, so the teacher wants to carry a loaded gun. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, otherwise it's only good for pistol whipping. All right. Who wouldn't be against that yeah. or for that? Hey, did you see, by the way, that it's, uh, it's, con- it's Conception Day in Russia? Again? Yes. <laughs> A Russian province, oh, I'm sorry, I guess it's coming up uh, later. A Russian province is uh, readying for Conception Day in an effort to boost flagging birth rates, officials said on Monday. The special day for encouraging procreation was dreamt up by the governor of a Yulaskinovitz province, who this year awarded prizes ranging from... (laughs) This sounds like a made-up story. No, it's true. (laughs) It's very Russian. Ranging from a television to a Russian-made all-terrain vehicle for giving birth on Russia's Constitution Day. 
So I guess that would make... So that's the, the Constitution Day, so I guess you backdate nine months from that, and that's Conception Day. It's not that the birth rate is not, but the death rate is like two times that. So they're just desperately trying to repeat, replace the people that their country is killing off. Right. This guy says... Um, this guy says, next year's prizes for giving birth on Constitution Day have not yet been decided, but underlined, the government the, the government is assuring you there will be prizes. <laughs> They've got to trade them out. Seriously. Uh, let's see. What can, how, many, Happy uh, meal. how many blenders can we get for this plutonium? The chicken sandwich from Jack in the Box? Jesus. And the idea that they need to encourage procreation in Russia where everybody is drunk, unemployed, and I don't think there's anything else to do No, there. there's nothing else to do. I mean, do. what else would you possibly be making? Cave paintings? Mm -hmm. I mean, really. All right. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Uh, I, I wanted to clarify that movie. I, I think I know that movie Sarah was talking about. Huh. The story, I think it's called The Story of Ricky. It is The Story of Ricky. It's disgusting. That's the best, like, martial arts movie ever. Like, punching people's heads off, punching, punching through solid brick walls. Excellent. And yeah. um, things exploding and people's, like, appendages being ripped off the entire time, the, eyeballs being poked out. The best part yeah, is how Sarah described it as revolting at the same time the guy goes, Best movie ever made! So, fantastic. Also, somebody pointed out if you want to see another head punched off, uh, you can watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the Kyoto Brothers film. There is a great sequence there where a guy get his head, gets his head punched clean off. Excellent. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. All right, there you go. Thank you very much. Machete. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, since we're talking about motion pictures, should I do the Geek Watch now or save it? Oh, let's do the Geek Watch now. All right. If we save things, we never get to them. I All think right. we've learned that. Uh, here's your... High-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen Surgeon Limit, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And just listen, I mean, there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. So the title of this is... Indiana Jones 4 has its full official title. In a move that caught nearly everyone off guard, actor Shia LaBeouf has revealed the official title of the Indiana Jones movie. While at the MTV Awards last night, the actor set the record straight, revealing the title to be... Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Bit of a mouthful, but you can get away with that if you're an Indiana Jones film. How did that slip out? It seems that it was planned to reveal the title of the film specifically for this event. Spielberg had confirmed the new title, and the announcement over the official IndianaJones.com website was made. The fourth installment of this franchise stars Harrison Ford, Jan Lafitte, uh, Kate Blanchett, Karen Allen, Ray Winstone, and John Hurt. Now, the question is, though, now I'm going to go in there. I'm going to look at the, because I'm a nerd, I'm going to go uh, look at IndianaJones.com right now, IndianaJones.com. I wonder if there's a logo. Because that's, I mean, even though I know what it'll look like, because it's that same sort of superhero, not superhero, but you know that serial, that, 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 that old 30s serial font that they use for every Indiana Jones film. But I really want to know if there's some sort of a, uh, if the logo, just, I just want to see what the logo looks like, because I'm a nerd and a fanboy and a dork and whatever. So Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yes. So is this like a, well, I I almost don't want to ask, because then some some jerk is going to send me spoilers. Um but I'm almost wondering, is this then like a, like a UFO thing? Because wasn't there that book that came out in the 60s that was all about crystal skulls that were left here by Romulans or something? You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Oh, so you think it's the end alien of, script? End of story. Um, maybe. Because there's like 14 different Indiana Jones 4 scripts around there. We should really just have around. Aaron call in. Oh, I'm sorry. That's me. You have to turn that down. Um, I did get an email here from Scott Galley. Hold on. Off. Oh. 
Sorry. Uh, you, you can't go to the webpage and click on anything without the Indiana Jones playing. Uh, music. I don't have the logo here. All right, no, but I'm looking at uh, the website right now, and it does say Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, I don't know if this is the official logo, the official screen logo, but it does say this at indianajones.com. Boy, that's cool. First new Indiana Jones film in, what, 16 years? 17 years, something like that? Yeah, Yeah, probably the last one. I mean, I really do, um, I think it was uh, Aaron who said this, that this really is the, uh, the final big motion picture release rooted in my generation. Um, I mean, I can't think of anything else that they would be, you know. I mean, because we had all the Star Wars films, um, and, you know, know, whatever. And the Star Trek films sort of precede my generation. So this is the final big film release uh, that has its roots in in my childhood. So that's, uh, you know, it's going to be a great movie probably regardless. Um, But that's, uh, so that makes it especially sort of poignant for me. And The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, badass. All right. Uh, Do we have anything else on that, or is that it? I'm looking. Uh, Steven Spielberg is currently shooting the film on the Universal Backlot, so they yeah. won't let him use the real studios. Uh, George Lucas is returning as executive producer. Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall are the producers. How exciting! It is badass. And Karen Allen looks hot as balls. By the way, if you've seen uh, if you've seen the the Karen Allen footage uh, when she made the appearance with Harrison Ford, that woman is aged. I don't know if it's plastic surgery or whatever, or whether she's just injecting her Bin Laden cells. But she looks uh, really good. So excellent, fantastic. There's your uh, Geek Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Grab Star's Hammer by the Sons of War. What a savings. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Here's Tim Riley. Well, what are we supposed to do with these uh, Makar Indians out uh, killing whales Macaw! and whatnot? Macaw! The Makai Indian whaling captain, Wayne Johnson, that doesn't sound like Makai Indian name to me, says he's proud of killing a gray whale and wishes he had done it earlier. He says he comes from a whaling family and it's in his blood. A 54-year-old led his tribe that legally killed a whale some eight years ago. Is it true that they killed the whale with a machine gun? I'm looking here. Apparently they shot it. That's exactly how the ancient spirit god did it. They used a high-power rifle. The later sank... uh, That's too bad. What is the... uh, All right. So I, well, Dennis, I'm, not, I'm not for killing whales with a rifle, sir. No, well, I mean, seriously, be a man. I mean, killing a whale, I mean... And I Send it to a slaughterhouse the way the white man does it. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, isn't the whole thing about... Look, I don't wish to be culturally insensitive to the, the mac... What are they called? The macaw. Macaque. No, it's not macaque. I think that's where macaque. they come from. All right. Um, not that. It's, that was just an excuse to play that sounder. I'm sorry. I don't wish to be culturally insensitive. Um, it, but seriously, grow a pair. Uh, the, 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 because, it, look, when Whitey uh, sets up one of his industrial death houses uh, to turn things into my shoes, we don't pretend that we're doing it for any other reason uh, than animals are tasty and we find their skins to be comfortable and long-lasting. And so there's no higher purpose. There's no spiritual reason behind it. It's just that Ruth's Chris has to get their steak from somewhere. There's no, you know what I mean? And if we can set up some sort of gigantic mechanized death farm uh, where we can just kill animals by the thousands every day with a minimum of human labor, then fine, we're going to do that. That is the way of Whitey. That is what he does. Um, but this whole thing... This, this idiocy, which is what it is, uh, yes. goddamn nonsense. And isn't it an endangered whale anyway? Yes. It just irritates me. The Because um, their whole thing is they're going out and killing one of God's endangered creatures. This is the irony of it. Well, if, what do they eat before they could get this whale? 
Went to I mean, go to the goddamn last, store like everybody else. Their last whale must have run out a long time ago. Well, wasn't the last one in like 2000? I think 2001. so. 2001. So what have they been eating since then? But it is an endangered creature, is it not? Yes. And so they're out there uh, because, you know, because I guess they have many invisible men in the sky. I guess they don't just have the one invisible guy. They have the many invisible guys uh, who tell them to do this. So I guess that the... Uh, Whatever, because that's a thing, right? Like it's some sort of spiritual quest or something yeah, yeah. that yeah. you can only fulfill by killing endangered animals. So, I mean, uh, the new spiritual quest is casinos, and apparently it hasn't touched the macaque crab yet. But really, if your whole thing is about, you know, like man and, and the environment and it'd be, it'd be some sort of a quest and it's like a spiritual thing. And well, I'm not trying to make light of it. I mean, right. I guess I am. And actually, they're upset about things because, well, we haven't done them any favors either. No, but I'm saying, like, if the whole thing is about, is about uh, you know, the tribe, you know, is sort of interfacing with nature and engaging in some spiritual quest via this hunt using, and I don't know that it's true, but according to Dennis Miller this morning, they were actually using a machine gun. This is a high-powered rifle. Yeah. Using a high-powered rifle doesn't necessarily seem like the most sporting way to do this. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, You know, I spent a lot of last week talking about this um, whale ship, the Essex, uh, which was sunk by a whale in the 1800s, from which they made that book, In the Heart of the Sea, which then became Moby Dick, and blah, 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 blah. You know what? Those guys uh, killed a whale, and all they had was like a stick with a pointy thing on the end of it. Uh, and they were killing, um, what kind of whale are they killing, the, the macaw guys? Does it say what kind of whale? I'm looking what kind of whale that was. Because the guys, like the whale ship guys, were killing a sperm whale, which I think is actually, I, I think... A 40-foot whale. Yeah, I think the sperm whale might actually, it, the sperm whale was like 80 feet long. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said, they, all they were killing it with was like a, like a jabby thing. So, that's eh, just a bunch of nonsense. Really, honestly, it is. It, it really is. I mean, let's, let's all grow up and lose our imaginary friends, shall we? Here's Tim Riley. Uh, let's see. Uh, one dead, one wounded in North Portland. That's of no interest to anyone. Let's see here. Las Vegas police have issued a statement about a fight between Kid Rock and Tommy Lee. Ah, it was really kind of a bitch fight, too. A little after 8 o'clock last night, we received a call that a disturbance had occurred at the MTV Video Music Awards. That was actually Britney dancing. Uh, we had a lot of others uh, walking in around the award, so we got there fairly quickly. We determined that the altercation was between Kid Rock and Tommy Lee. After our investigation, Kid Rock did receive a citation for misdemeanor battery. Everyone involved was interviewed. Kid Rock must appear at a Las Vegas court in the next three to five weeks. And the weird thing is that the police statement keeps calling him Kid Rock, as though that's like the name that's on his birth certificate or something. <laughs> Mr. Rock. The Mr. Rock. It's like the New York Times calling Mr. Loaf. Uh, the the police kept referring to him as Kid Rock. So the weird thing is, is that, see, from everything I, I say all this as though I'm somehow in the know and as though it even really matters, but from everything I read, Tommy Lee started the whole fight, but then Kid Rock was the one who got dinged for it. I guess because Tommy Lee was there and Kid Rock, like, left and they couldn't find him or whatever. Um, so I watched it on the, I watched it last night. They were showing part of it. Uh, and then, uh... On uh, YouTube this morning, I was watching a little bit, and it just did look like a bitch fight. It really did. Just a bunch of sort of attempting Scratching. to slap each other. Yeah, and then they just looked like pussies. Uh, and Tommy Lee, it, it just... I mean, I love Tommy Lee. You know, I really do, because he's, you know, Motley Crue, blah, 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 Gen Xer, da, 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 da. So I can never really hate Tommy Lee, and I really do uh, unashamedly love Kid Rock. But, I mean, but it, 
Tommy Lee has got to do, I mean, I guess it's better than, than tr- still trying to dress like he's 18, but he's worse than that. He, Tommy Lee, instead of trying to dress like he's 18, he now dresses like a 25-year-old trying to dress like a 16-year-old skateboarder. You know what I mean? He's just got that weird, and I guess he sort of pulls it off, looking, he's Tommy Lee and I'm not, so whatever. Um, but he just, it's like with the, with the stupid, like the big oversized cap that's turned sideways and covered in a whole lot of chains. He's like 50, you yeah, know? I don't know, but I don't really respect Kid Rock. I never really have. I mean, I think he, has, he had a couple, like, lucky hits. But, I mean, Tommy Lee's been around for a really long time. Yeah. And then Kid yeah. Rock's also the one that runs, like, a little, you know, little man. Tommy Lee's, like, he might be crazy and he might be strung out and wearing a big yellow ugly hat. But he's Tommy Lee. I, no, I don't. Don't get out. I don't dislike either of them. I really don't. Um, I said I really do. I really am a fan of, you know, and I, and I know that, um, you know, Kid Rock's moment in, in, in the sun has sort of passed musically because, you know, the, like the, the rap rock thing isn't really happening anymore. Um, I do like his music, and just like I like Tommy Lee stuff. Um, but it's just, I it, haven't we had this discussion before about which one you found sleazier? Which one? Kid Rock or Tommy Lee. I was like saying, who, do you, who would you, like, if you had to pick one, Tommy Lee or Kid Rock? Well, I think Tommy Lee's hotter, but I also think he's sleazier. Yeah, see, my wife said, Tommy Lee, no problem. And it's because... Yeah, Kid Rock's very unattractive. I've met him, and he's very unattractive. When did you... Oh, you, you told me yeah, that story. Yeah, That's right, okay. How weird, though, that Pam Anderson's two exes are, like, fighting it out of the VMAs. It, it's all... We live kind in a, of hilarious. We just live in a strange time. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of clarify on something with the, the whole Indian still in the, uh, the whale thing. They fired 21 shots. Really? Yeah. 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 These, these guys that killed the, the whale, a ridiculous massacre of a beautiful animal, but they were not associated with the tribe, and the tribe has actually condemned this action. Yeah, that's and what I just read. Is that true? Really? Yeah. Good mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, the, yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you really no, no. I actually didn't know that. I'm glad that Tim. I'm glad that actually makes me feel better about the whole thing. If these guys are just some, but they're not doing it with the blessing of the tribe. No. Well, then how, right. is, it, how is it even legal then? Well, it's not. That's the thing. Really? Yeah, it's not illegal. These guys. No, 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 no. But I'm saying, how is it legal if they're not? If the tribe actually hasn't sanctioned it, and if the only way that it is good, look, because you and I couldn't go do it, but if it's legal because it's uh, a tribe activity, and if the tribe has not sanctioned it, how is it that the guys are legally allowed to do it? Well, we don't own casinos either, so. Well, that is true. That is that is true, sir. All right. (laughs) Right. No, the white man has owned plenty of casinos. Well, I was just you know, I think he's talking about on on this land here. Oh no, Steve Wynn is no no one. Is, no, no one is no one is saying that Whitey doesn't own casinos. Whitey Whitey owns most things. It really is just it was just the way of the, the the way of things that Whitey does seem to sort of get first crack at uh, everything on this continent. Uh, and if he doesn't get first crack, he just uh, it, it comes along and says, "Hey, look over there. Hey, do you want a bead? So there do you, you want freedom? Yes." <laughs> you want freedom? If not, we're happy to shoot you. All right. Uh, do we have to break here? All right. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Are they going to eat the whale? What happens to the whale now that it's dead? Did they just did they drag it back to shore or something? It was harpooned and shot several times. Uh, how satisfying would it have been if the whale had just killed them? Mm-hmm. How satisfying? How... Really, how deeply gratifying would it have been if just with a flick of its tail, if it had, if it had just killed those guys? So the five are in custody of tribal police, whatever that means. Really? Oh, excellent. Well done. All right. Maybe give them a good working over. <laughs> I vote yes. Back after this, here's Spinal Tap. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I 
It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It's Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, more from Tim Riley in just a moment. Later on, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Top five musical comebacks of all time. Uh, Jim Roop from Los Angeles. We haven't even talked about Brittany. Uh, hi, Bill. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, you were talking about whale, and uh, I got to work with the Department of Fisheries, and the whale sank after they shot him. But um, so that's after, what happens if you fill something with 21 different holes. Well, yeah, but after they've been dead for a while, they and they're waiting for it to come back up, and they're going to identify where the slugs, what gun they came from, and they're going to prosecute that guy big time. He's facing a lot of a lot of uh, jail time and fine. And what? That's a, that's a federal violation. And a what fine? A massive fine. It could be up to $100,000. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. I'm sorry. It needs to be a public lynching. <laughs> that's that's Tim Riley who's in favor of that, by the way. Well, seriously, I mean, in my opinion. There's no reason for it. No. And, and, and you know, before somebody calls him, oh, you, you eat meat and wear leather. I don't. No. Tim. First of all, Tim doesn't. So Tim is completely without hypocrisy okay. in this. I only have the most minor of hypocrisies in that, A, uh, to the best of my knowledge, it, you know, whatever's sitting in my uh, freezer that I'm going to put between slices of bread doesn't come from an endangered animal, for one thing. Uh, and that when something is endangered, religion ought not to be a reason to get to violate. Religion shouldn't allow you to violate laws that nobody else is allowed to violate. I mean, that's the thing. If a law is the law, then you follow it, and religion doesn't get to be your out, which is exactly and anybody who says that. It's not, well, it's not a religious tribal thing. Well, that, the fact that, I mean, anything that is based upon, I mean, if you read the description and the explanation and the justification they gave, it's clearly a religious argument that is being made, which doesn't get you, uh, you know, it shouldn't be your get-out-of-jail-free card from the laws that everybody else has to follow. So, anyway, F that. So, apparently they're going uh, to be uh, prosecuted, perhaps, uh, perhaps beaten senseless. It's just, uh, it's all very unclear. We'll find out where their god is then. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is breaking story. Where are your gods now? Britney Spears' video is completely gone from YouTube. Oh, yeah, I saw it this morning, and I wondered why it was still there. Yeah, it's complete. It's nowhere. I wondered. Well, you know, I when I went to um uh I went to YouTube this morning, uh looking for the Britney video, and I couldn't find it. And I did find it on YouTube, but only via the New York Post. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find it any like a Britney like a, a a YouTube search this morning with the words like Britney VMA 2007 blah blah blah. Couldn't find anything. I was then reading the New York Post, and they had this click here for video, and I thought, oh, maybe the Post has their own proprietary video. I clicked here for video, and the New York Post linked directly to uh, a Britney YouTube thing. Um, but that, that one's probably gone now, too. So I want to get a little audio here. Yeah, do you? Is this an audio from last night? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. There you go. This is uh, Britney Spears. Oh, I think my pot is up. All right. It is. Oh, please work today. Okay. Nope. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I mean, really, what is the point, though? I mean, you would just be playing audio of the song. There would be no, I mean, let me see here. Hold on. Uh, do me a favor. Can you uh, click that, the oh. little two arrows over here? Let's try this one more time here. Yeah. She lazily walked through her dance moves with little enthusiasm. It appears she forgot the entire art of lip-syncing. 
and she looked embarrassingly out of shape. The funny part was when she jumped into that singer's hand, it was like, yeah. oh, oh, and he couldn't get all of her leg. Well, let me just say a couple of things. First of all, A, I just sad. Uh, a, I should say, I don't hate the song. It's not like the song is bad. Um, no, it's, it's made in the, in the song mill. Yeah, I mean, she's incidental to the song, just like she like is... Justin Timberlake. She is in, yes, just like she is incidental. Um, uh, she's incidental to the song, just like she was incidental to the dance routine. She was just one more dancer on stage, and you know what? She's just one more element uh, put together with that song in the studio. The song isn't bad. It's kind of a good song, but it's not a single. That's the problem with that with with the song she performed last performed. That's the the problem with the song that was played last night, is that it's not a single. It is not like I have an intricate knowledge of club culture, but it does sound. It sounds like a club song. It doesn't sound like a radio single. If you were in some club with a head full of drugs, that'd probably be a fantastic song to listen to or dance to or whatever. It does not. There's no the, the hook though is not. That is not a radio hook. It's not a hook that... Uh, it, because even having listened to the song last night and again this morning and thinking to myself, that's a pretty good song, um, I couldn't tell you what the hook is. I couldn't sing it for you. couldn't hum it to you. couldn't do anything. Uh, so it's the wrong kind of song for her to be trying to do some big comeback with. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say this, and I have to make this caveat. I mean, I would be dishonest if I didn't say this. All things being equal, I don't think she looks that bad. You know, because I mean, and I, I, guess, I think I speak for every guy here before we start on the Britney looks terrible bandwagon. If if a guy you knew, like if, you, if one of your guy friends came over and pulled out a picture of this girl who's on stage and said, hey, look at this girl that I picked up at a bar last night and banged, you would be completely impressed. You would, I mean, you would say, hey, good poll, friend. So, I mean, let's, I do have to say that because I, I, it would it would be disingenuous of me to say that I think Britney looks really bad here because I don't think she does. She I, doesn't look really bad. She, she looks, looks Hollywood bad. Yeah. I think if you went over to your friend's house and this was laying on his couch, this girl, the hair was really bad though. Well, because it's fake. It's a wig. I mean, that's the thing is it's fake. But if you went over to your friend's house and this girl was sitting on the sofa and you're like, who's that? And he's like, ah, it's this girl I'm having sex with. You'd be like, all right, good for you, you know, because she did look moderately attractive by Hollywood standards. She looks great by like girl, girl you see on the street standards. Wilsonville or Woodburn or something like that. Well, the problem is, is that Britney is not competing with every everyday average ordinary women. Britney is competing with what Britney used to look like in 1999. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. So. I'm not. It's just I don't understand why she keeps wearing those outfits. Well, like, that she would have looked so much better without wearing that sequin bikini that's, thing. That's that's the thing. It's you not even mom cute. It's sometimes those things just don't snap back. It's pretty. like my friend Todd used to say, oh, "She's porn star pretty." Um, the years just aren't kind. Well, that's the problem. Again, it's I. I will not lie and say that I think that she looks terrible. Uh, although even I even have to quantify that statement to say that. When I said that if you went over to your friend's house and you saw this girl there, you'd be impressed. I think we all know that if you went over to your friend's house and saw this girl there, first of all, she wouldn't look that good in person. Um, she looks this good because it was on television. The lighting is very kind. They've got filters on the camera. She has tons of makeup on, and there's so many excuses. She's like, oh, her heel broke. Oh, they changed it at the last minute because her um, thing she was doing with Chris Angel is too controversial. She broke one of her nails uh-huh. publicly. Well, well now yeah, I saw her nail. Well, and, well, and now you're, yeah, that should so be a lot. Now we're moving on to the, uh, the the other perform the other aspect of this, which is her performance. Not like I have anybody to, 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 to critique dancing skill, but I can tell when someone either doesn't know what they're doing, is exhausted, is stoned, 
or maybe all of the above. Because she looked really high to me. She looked really drugged, like she was kind of unsure as to where she was, didn't quite know what she was doing. I mean, either that or she just spent no time preparing this and thought she would learn it all that morning. You know what I mean? It was just so... I mean, the, the one word I would use to describe this, and I know that we talked a while back about how we were done talking about Britney and we were done talking about Hollywood starlets, but I mean, I think this is worthy of noting. Well, it's like faulty manufacturing from the Chinese. It's like somebody put some lead paint on her and sent her out to dance. And I think, I think A, everybody's sort of talking about this because it was just such a phenomenal implosion, and B... I think it's interesting to all of us because this was supposed to be her huge comeback. This is what they had engineered for months now. Do you realize the last time she was even on the VMAs was 2003? Four years since she was even since she even performed, and that was the time she kissed Madonna. Um, and I mean, it, it's been how long has it been since her last new music came out? Oh. Three or four years at least, because yeah, it was that Bobby Brown two. cover. It was my prerogative. That's the last new music Britney put out until now. Uh, her last new album was that In the Zone thing, right? Because the one with Toxic or whatever on it. So, which again, Toxic is not a bad song as such. It's not a real pop song, though. God, she just... It's just sad. I mean, it looked like they were basically in, like pushing her around, like, yeah. trying to get her to move. She'd just kind of fall on Did one dance and fall on the other. And in a lot of moments, she just quit singing all the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, singing, quit lip syncing. She just... She just stopped lip syncing altogether. It was like she. Then, then you could hear her on the different tracks speaking at the same time when she stood there dumbfounded. And it was like I don't know if she didn't know where she was or if she just thought, well, this is going badly. Screw it. I'll just stand for a while. And then her mouth would quit moving. And yeah. as you said, you would continue to hear her singing even though her mouth was not moving. Um, what a great Hollywood babble on the story. There were. It really is. There were a couple of moments when you could tell that she was clearly following the lead of her dancers because she had forgotten. And the one part when they, yeah, when they were hoisting her up onto the stage, yeah. like she stuck her hand. Oh, like, oh, oh, it my was back. so awkward. <laughs> oh, my hips. And that, then when he was holding her, he couldn't get his whole leg in, the, yeah. in his arm. It's a massive. It was like hanging down. Yeah. So, I mean, it, Hollywood girls uh, and men, to be fair, uh, are held to a different standard. I mean, that's the thing is that that's what sunk uh, Britney here is it's just not the way she looks. It's that it, she will always and forever compete with her in that 1999 uh, video. I mean, that's that's it. That, that and the Rolling Stone layout she did, that's what she ha- is competing. She's not competing with anybody else song-wise. She's got good material. She's got or at least had good handlers. She's just competing with her past. And I just I think at this point she's never going to... You know, she's just never going to be able to catch that. This is never going to work. And and it is interesting to note that she just seemed so totally irrelevant last night to the entire proceeding. I mean, in her own song, she seemed irrelevant because, again, she was just lip syncing. She's only an incidental part of the song. Like, you know, she's the last thing they slapped on. You know, drums, bass, keyboards, samples, scratching. Uh, we need somebody to sing. Brittany, paste her right in. And then a couple of times she had that look on her face like, oh, this is about me, isn't it? Exactly. And then she had, and, and you are totally right when you said this outfit she wore. It's, you cannot continue to dress like you're 16 when you've had two kids, uh, recently lost most of your weight. Um, I mean, it's just not going to – she has – for somebody who idolizes Madonna so much, she has just completely and totally just ignored the uh, the biggest lesson for Madonna, which is that you just can never become predictable. Well, she looks like she belongs modeling lingerie in 82nd Street, one of those places. <laughs> uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hi, Rick. I kind of tagging on to what uh, uh, our greatest newsman ever said about the lingerie shows in 82nd. I'm watching the video right now. She looks like some poor, pathetic, amateur She's night girl at, like, the Pirate's Cove or something. It is. She just looks really pathetic. That's a good way to describe it. It, it. it is. It's like she, she she needs to make $5 to get the baby some milk or something. I mean, she's looking <laughs> and, and, and watching Pete in his face, he's sitting there going, I, I, I'm not giving her a dollar. No, and everybody, totally. He's the guy at the rail deciding no. Yeah, um, the, the guy going, yeah, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go buy a drink instead. <laughs> the, it's, uh, it's, re- it's really sad because I mean, when, when she was really coming up and big and she did the big VMA thing with the snake and all, she was cool. She was on top. She was sharp. And now it just looks like watching putty. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... I, I'm not going to say that she can now never come back, but, boy, it makes it a lot harder because this was supposed to be her... Ba- and, frankly, I have to tell you, I really am surprised that it's getting reviewed this harshly. I figured that MTV would have greased the appropriate wheels, journalistically speaking. Well, I've read a ton of excuses. How her heel broke, how um, she had learned right before that Sarah Silverman was going to make fun of her kids, which, did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. Such adorable little mistakes. Mm. I don't really find Sarah Silverman I cannot be... believe that they let her doing that lip thing on, like, actually on the air. Yeah. Well, but now... This... I, was, I was dumbfounded. Well, this wasn't live. Was it, or was it live? Well, it's live on the East Coast, but then I saw the West Coast feed, which was three hours later, which I thought they would have like that. Well, because that. they had threatened to, because they had no, they because MTV had told her. This is what I read. It must be true. I read this in the Sun. Mm. MTV apparently had told Britney, if your performance sucks, we're going to cut it out, and no one on the West Coast will ever see it. Um, no, I'm not talking about. That. I'm talking about Sarah Silverman, like the things she was saying. I can't believe oh, well, that that made the final cut. Uh, you know, but but MTV is so desperately trying to be edgy. You yeah. Know? They're so desperately trying to be edgy, and uh, I do not find Sarah Silverman funny, but I know that most people do. I don't at all. Well, well they managed to she... pull a few people around, away from VH1 Classic, that's, which they usually watch. That's, you they know, won't say who they are. Oh, no, me, like me. Myself. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's Sarah Silverman. Um, I just don't get that kind of humor. I think she's pretty. Well, that, but that's, that's, about, the, that's the only reason people pay attention. Because she because talks about diarrhea, and that's, she's funny. That's her, or, Not but, funny. But pretty. it's not that. That's the whole thing. It's like, well, she's pretty, and she looks very feminine, but then she swears a lot. I mean, that's the... And she, oh, that wore really thin. Even I thought that was a little tacky. And Sarah Silverman only has the one maneuver, joke-wise, in my experience. Sarah Silverman has one comedy move. And I don't mean to fall into the whole chicks aren't funny thing, because there are women who are funny. But she only has this one move. A, the idea that she's attractive and yet swears a lot, which that novelty wears off like the rapping grandma. You know what I mean? It's funny for like three seconds. Uh, the other the other thing that bugs me about Sarah Silverman is that her only real move seems to be this, the innocent setup with, like, then the crude twist at the mm-hmm. end. And she'll it's just, not just even crude, it's, like, cruel. Yeah, I can understand the Paris Hilton, like, don't break your teeth on the bars if they yeah. have, like, things painted on them. But kicking Britney Spears when she's down, I mean, she's already, she's performing, like, the sequin right. bathing suit over, you know, overweight with her hair falling out, missing nails. Really, like, what else do you need dance. to say at that point? That's, it just seems a little mean. If you see that, uh, any of Sarah Silverman's stand-up uh, ag or comedy specials or anything, her whole delivery is like that. It's like a setup, punchline, setup, punchline. But the setup is always where she kind of cocks her head a little bit and affects this, like, really sweet, like, doe-eyed, innocent look. And then da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, gang raped by a bunch of Eskimos. You know, whatever. And then and then she says the really crude, unexpected thing at the end. And it's only unexpected like the first two times. And then you realize that's her whole act. So I know that she's got, you know, yeah, I'm not a fan. hype and buzz, but I find Sarah Silverman really, really? Because really I thought she was popular years tacky. ago.
I thought that she's just kind of um, well. She guys love her because guys are just one-celled organisms, and guys find guys find her hot. And and I don't think guys really find her funny. I think guys uh, have a thing for her because she's reasonably attractive. She obviously is smart, um, and then she talks with a really foul mouth. And guys, you know. For some reason, that has that has a, a strong effect on some guys. So I know a lot of guys who are really into Sarah Silverman, but I I don't, I really honestly don't think she's funny. And it's not that I find her offensive even. I just don't think she's funny. That's it. Like it didn't really bother me that she was saying. I'm just like it's just. Yeah, she's just. It's like you're just pointing out the obvious. She's just uninteresting to me. She's just not a good comedian. Uh, anyway, so... Let's get ready to have a lot of people be pissed off. Scotty just typed in the screen. I disagree. Kick her while she's down. She sucks. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. Maybe she would have had an easier time on stage with doggy steps. <laughs> time for Darwin Watch. <laughs> Here's I have a feeling Darwin that the stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I ate all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. This comes to us from the Yakima Herald, a daily part of your life. From Selah, Washington, wherever that is, a veteran state wildlife biologist was killed over the weekend in the Yakima River Canyon when he accidentally walked into the rotating blades of a sitting helicopter. Uh, Rocky Spencer, who's from uh, King County, worked for the State Department of Fish and Wildlife since 1978. He earned a reputation as a knowledgeable and well-liked mentor for many of the agencies. Knowledgeable of everything except propeller blades. He was part of a team assigned to locate bighorn sheep from a private property in the canyon to a Pullman research facility for Washington State University. About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the helicopter landed east of uh, State Route 821. Uh, and uh, Spencer had uh, flown on uh, wildlife helicopters before, but this time the craft came to rest on an angled ground, uh, causing the rotator blades to point downward uh, more than usual. It wasn't, and this isn't the the, the little tiny uh, uh, hor- or vertical blade in the back. This is the big <laughs> blade on top. Oh, it creeps. Yeah. So when he stepped out of the Sorry. helicopter, he apparently walked into the blade. Ah. Uh. Uh, Rocky was doing what he loved. It's a dangerous job. He was really one of the best we had at doing this kind of thing. Doing what <laughs> he was doing what he loved. Rocky loved walking into helicopters. They cannot immediately address the agency's protocol for safely exiting helicopters. I okay. I think the protocol is go. Oh God! And then fight about who has to clean the helicopter. That's oh. the protocol. All right. There's your Darwin watch for uh, Monday. I mean, really, I mean, I keep saying this a lot today. I mean, I'm, I keep saying I'm not an expert, but, but really, when you get out of a helicopter, wouldn't you be really hyper aware all the... Look, I've only ridden in a helicopter, I think, twice in my life, and those blades are like 40 feet high. I mean, there's no way that the average guy could ever... Could I you mean, get sucked into one of those if you were light? Like if you were a midget? Oh, a duck or some, something that doesn't weigh very much? I don't know. Um, maybe like a uh, like a cat? Cat, maybe. We yes. could try that, right. see if it works. No, but I'm saying they design helicopters so that, like, even the tallest guy ever would have, like, four feet of clearance 
you know, for the blades. But what do you always do? You duck down. You instinctively duck down because you are just terrified. You are hyper-aware of, of getting lopped off by one of those blades. So the idea that he would turn around and just walk directly into one, I mean, that's a bad way to go. Probably a relatively fast uh, death, but still. Maybe he's on a cell phone. Maybe. Rick, I just finished watching the John Rambo trailer, says this email. I was figuring your discussion about it was the patented Rick Emerson hyperbola for the sake of humor. But for the love of God, Rambo really does freaking punch a guy's head clean off. And the guy that fell into the puddle did explode for no reason. <laughs> this is the best thing I have ever seen, he says. Have you guys seen it? I just no. did squid send it to me. Oh, did you watch it all the way through? I watched the, the head punching off. Did you see the guy fall into a puddle and blow up? No. Oh, right wonderful. It. It's really great. All right. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Uh, let's see. And so forth. And whatnot. Uh, people are sending us links to the Britney video now. I guess it is around there somewhere. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, Chris. How's it going? What's up? Yesterday, third quarter of the football game, Dallas and New York, uh, Dallas and New York are playing. They're going into a commercial break and they play one of your sounders. I don't know if it's your intro or your outro, but it's the da 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 and I was like, oh, my Biz God, no Bizzo. way. I had to share that with you. I thought it was so funny. When you're talking about the song, is it like a techno song? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like a techno thing, and it's kind of scratchy. Is it the one we play at the beginning of the show? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I and, hear that song turn up. Somebody told me that the, um, uh, God, what the hell is it, the, the Charlie Morning Show uses that song, too. Go figure. Yeah, uh, but, really. but, 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 but Viso was there? Yeah, and so it was. It was your sounder, and then right then it's it's uh, sponsored by Vizzo. The guy says, and I said, "No, Vizzo. it's Vizzo." Vizzo, you know, I'm yelling <laughs> at the TV. <laughs> excellent. Uh, yeah, Vizzo is the new Jay Z beverage. All right, <laughs> excellent. Uh, well, thank you, sir. Well, I'm sorry if it caused you any sort of uh, cognitive dissonance, like if you were. And I guess, and I guess out. that guy, the guy, never did see uh, Twilight Zone and uh, poor old Vic no. Morrow, did he? No, it's the Vic Morrow Memorial Award. Yeah. Good reference, sir. Thank you. Have a good day, man. Best Thank show you. ever. Bye now. Here's a, well, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. Here's Tim Riley. Snuff watch. Oh, here's your snuff watch for whatever Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. is dead. You probably remember her best in the 80s from being on Falcon Crest. She was also Ronald Reagan's first wife. And uh, she was 93 years old. I guess she died of old age. Much hotter than uh, than uh, Nancy Reagan, in my opinion. The, the strange thing about her was in the 50s, she looked really mat matronly in those uh, women's movies. Yeah. And she was opposite Rock Hudson. You well, Rock Hudson could have done better than that. And she had those, uh, those uh, pie pan haircuts. Yes, that women were forced to have back in the 1950s? Why on earth would Rock Hudson be paired with a masculine woman? I can't imagine. You, but there are a couple shots of her mm -hmm. from that era where she looks very attractive. They, but you're all right that they're very... Magnificent Obsession is the one I saw a couple of weeks ago. They're scarce. They're scarce. I was doing a Google image search. Because whenever a really aged woman like this dies, immediately the question I always have is, was she ever hot? Uh, because, because like you, I remember her from Falcon Crest. That's mm -hmm. really... 
And obviously that was the latter part of her career. Because um, I don't think she did anything after that. Uh, but but that is where I remember her from. And I was like, well, you know, let me go look back. Let me look back and see if she was ever really attractive. Mm-hmm. And so let me see here. So I'm looking at... Um, See right here, this is like just the dowdiest photos of her. Yeah, the the 1950s style type. Yeah, I mean, it's was there some law against women being attractive in the 50s? It was like they were pulling their their heads out of their hair. (laughs) The um, it's it's like the only time women were allowed to be attractive in the 50s is if is if they were also hussies. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, do you ever think about that too? That all the women who really were allowed to be hot. Like you get your Mamie Van Dorens, like they were always, you know, they they were always like kind of trashy, like attractive equaled bad girl, and it, you know, and if you were a good girl, you therefore had to be homely. Okay, so so Tim, so here's these two photos. So there's this photo, very fifties. Okay, but just look how unhappy she looks, just all dour and sad. Well, I mean, she's got a haircut like Mo Howard. <laughs> totally. I mean, just in the most unflattering dress. Boy, this program has just become it, like it, Mr. Showing, Blackwell. It's showing a little bit of cleavage. Yeah, well, it's a relative statement, I suppose. There really is there really is no cleavage on the on, on Ms. Wyman here to show, but she has Mark she just liked her. She just has that did he now? Yeah. She um she just has this look on her face like I'd rather be dead. Like it's a it's sort of a smile, but a smile that kind of says, mm-hmm. kill me. Uh and okay, now this is now look at that though. That's 40s. Now, see... That's a 1940s look. So she... But see, she looks much better there in this 40s. Well, you were allowed to show a little bit of your figure. Kind of a May West thing going on But in the 50s, when the Republicans are back in power again... No sex, please. We're Republican. All right. Uh, So anyway, so there you go. So uh, good enough for Ronald Reagan at a certain point. God, and then he married Nancy Reagan, who was never attractive. No. I mean, Nancy Reagan was just... She was just ugly from jump. I mean, she was just from, like, day one. She's dead now, right? No, she's still alive. She was just at a funeral last week. I swear to God. No, we, Nancy we Reagan is still alive. I just saw her alive. Well, why well, am I... This is a marionette. Well, well how, would, like how would you know? Why am I thinking that we covered the death of Nancy Reagan? We haven't. It hasn't happened. Really? Truly. Did I just imagine that whole thing you in did. my head? It was a dream. This is it like was a that... very bad dream. This is like that. Um, this is like that episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, except I'm Moriarty and I'm, I think I'm here hunting Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, whatever. Oh, by uh, the way, her real name was Sarah Jane Mayfield. That's a great name. Why would you change your name if you were Sarah Jane Mayfield to Jane Wyman? Well, she married somebody named Wyman in 1933 because Reagan wasn't her first marriage. She really? Yeah, Pussy. As a matter of fact, Reagan, Reagan was her whore. third marriage. She was married first to Ernest Wyman, oh, then Myron Futterman. Myron Futterman. That only oh, lasted, Myron. That only lasted... Oh, Myron Futterman. That lasted a year, and then she was married to Ronald Reagan from 1940 to 1948, then Fred Carger from Carter. 1952 to 54. Why? She couldn't stay with anyone. That, she was Somebody was the town pump. Mm-hmm. Then she remarried Fred Carker in 1961. She, she got, remarried him. Mm-hmm. That's a phenomenon that we could do a whole separate uh, hour on. And then she lived without a man from 1965 to her death, and she died in Palm Springs. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think we know what's being said here. Myron Futterman? Myron Futterman. I bet he was an no, animal Futterman in the sack. Forty. I bet he was a sexual monster. You never know. I bet he was just a dynamo. Hello, my name is Myron Futterman. I've come to have relations with you. Don't step on my glasses. <laughs> I, yes, I've come to up. engage with you in, in carnality tonight. She would never talk about Ronald Reagan interview. Well, of course not. Mm-hmm. She, has, killed. she has two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Why does it... Hold on. By the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. 
Mm-hmm. Each night gets more. Good friends, you... good friends with Barbara Stanwyck, Loretta Young, and Agnes Moorhead. Agnes Moorhead is the best name ever, by the way. Oh, get this. She replaced Gracie Allen for an evening on the Birds and Allen show when Gracie had a migraine. It was the only time Gracie missed the show. There is just so much pop culture stuff here. It's overwhelming. I don't even know how to deal with all of this. Okay, we're just going to, I guess, plunge on here because i got Roop in like two minutes. But So what? Okay, let's stop. And when Reagan died, she said America has lost a great president and a great kind gentleman. Don't ask me about him. Uh, she retired at Palm Springs. So, all right. Why does she have two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I guess she had some extra money for not saying evil things about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> There'll be a check in the mail. So uh, Maybe it was a gift of Myron Butterman. Way back <laughs> I'm hoping you'll come back and fulfill my every sexual need. Myron Futterman is the best name mm-hmm. I have ever heard mm-hmm. today. Myron Futterman. You know the guy has glasses. Mm-hmm. You know Myron Futterman is very close to his mother. They were only married for a year. You know he was a copywriter at an ad agency somewhere. Maybe at the studio. Yeah, he was a grip. <laughs> I'm hoping to make it big in Hollywood. I'm hoping that Jane can introduce me to a player. Myron Futterman. You know that Myron Futterman um, had slick, bla- uh, slick back like, uh, like oh, by the real way, she... cream, like Vitalis hair? Mm-hmm. She was also the uh, mother of Maureen Reagan, who died in 2001. Well, who's Maureen Reagan? That was the daughter of Ronald Reagan when oh. he was married to her. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So is that the only Reagan kid that's dead? Now, the rest are still alive. Well, Michael Reagan is pretty much dead in syndication. It's a third or fourth rate station. He's dead to radio. Um, and then, uh, what's her name? Patty Reagan. Mm-hmm. Patty Davis. Yeah, Patty Davis. Wait, why is her name Patty Davis? Because her, Nancy Reagan's maiden name <laughs> is Davis. Ah, ah, my brain. I don't understand any of this. Is she, is she Ronald's child? daughter? She, she is the love child of Myron Fireman. <laughs> I want to have a daughter named Nancy. Uh, the uh, or Patty. Uh, the so I'm so confused. So is Nancy? No, I'm sorry. Is Patty Davis not Ronald Reagan's daughter? Yes. But why did she take Nancy's maiden name? I don't know. What is wrong with that Reagan family? They are messed up beyond belief. Well, they're mostly dead now. <laughs> mostly, mostly dead or forcibly living with a woman. All right. Um. I, I, allegedly. No, no, he's all man. They check. <laughs> Remember that quote from the Reagan presidency? <laughs> yes. Yes. Our son, the dancer, is all man. They had Dick Cheney investigation. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I'm just gonna just gonna wrap this all up by reading this email. Now you all know we have this listener, and I've uh, talked about her before. This is her real name. She has the best name of anybody who's ever lived. Myron Futterman is the worst name of anybody who's ever lived. Isn't Jim Roop waiting on live? Yes, we'll get to him in just a second. You know that Myron Futterman uh, shows up for the first date, by the way, uh, with like, uh, you know, like a lint roller as, as the present. Like, not flowers, you know, not oh, candy. I thought you might like a lint roller. Um, from the gar- It's the lint roller from the garment shop where he, uh, where he works with his mother after his job as a Madison Avenue copywriter. Um... So Myron Futterman, worst name ever. Best name ever? Marianne Rambo. Oh, I like that. Marianne Rambo. Guess what she's emailing about. Rick? Did Rambo? You, did you say there's a new Rambo movie coming out? Kill me. Kill me now. Kill me now. Yeah, that's gotta suck. Boy, that's probably I mean it's probably bad even when it's ten years between Rambo films. It probably sucks to have that last name. 
Because you know there really is a John Rambo. He was a real person. His name is actually on the on the Vietnam Wall. Um, but to have the name to be a woman named Marianne Rambo, and to have I mean I'm saying all this as though she's out there not knowing this already. Hey, Marianne Rambo, I bet it sucks to have that. Life. Does it suck? Do people come up and make Rambo jokes to you, Marianne? Tell me all about it. Jesus. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. So to sum up, Jane Wyman dead. The former Mrs. Myron Futterman has passed on. <laughs> oh, Myron. Um, They'll meet each other in the rapture. Oh, Jane. I'm in a state of connubial bliss. Um, Jane Wyman dead. Nancy Reagan alive. Patty Davis, weird last name, uh, Ron Reagan, all man. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. Hi. How's your day going? Uh, well, the jury has the case in the Spectre trial, so another couple of months it'll be all over. <laughs> it really is. It going to take that long? I can't see. It's not going to be. I wouldn't think it'd be quick. I mean, there's five months worth of crap they well, have to sift through. Dude, how long did they sit through the OJ trial, and how long did that take? It took like four hours. Yeah, well, he was he was not guilty from the. Spectre. I was just going to say he was he was clearly innocent, yeah. a framed man. Yeah. Um, okay. That was evident by you know your your take testimony. Your take on this, just as a, an impartial observer, uh, what way, well, if I can ask you this, I don't know if I can ask you this in your role as a CNN reporter, but I mean, uh, you're on the jury, what do you say? Uh, I say it looks pretty bad for Phil Spector. Okay. He, I, I don't know that the defense has, has really planted reasonable doubt in my mind at all. Um, they, seem, they seem to be really grasping at straws in, in a lot of those uh, and a lot of that testimony that they offered, and a lot of that forensic stuff, just seems so uh, cheesy and and, um, and 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 coerced. Do you Not think, coerced, but but planned. Do you think post OJ, um, it's hard to get a jury to buy uh, the like a forensic argument? Do you think they're just so jaded about the whole thing? Well, this was, this is tough because the forensics testimony on both sides was vastly different. <laughs> it's just it's amazing. Uh, that uh, that that it is so different, I I but I don't know this jury. I mean, they looked attentive throughout this entire most of it anyway. They glazed over on some spots, but they they looked fairly intelligent. It just takes one guy though to say eh, I don't know. Is that true? Is it that they, because I'd heard that they had been fighting for a long time in certain places to have it to where. Uh, you know, you couldn't have a hung jury any more than a bit like a no, nine, not true. nine, twelve majority. So they, but they, that's know, a so civil case. So in, in, a, in a murder case or in a criminal case, it has to be unanimous. So one guy can just dig it as he goes, be like, nope, I'm not convicting. Twelve angry men. Yeah. Totally. See, that's what I love. So I like to think that that's going to. I mean, really, honestly, wouldn't it be fascinating to be in a jury room for just the first ten minutes? That's all I really care about: the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes. When they go around the room, everybody's like, F that guy. He's totally guilty. And at the end, when they've worn the one guy down, you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I would love, I'd love, yeah, that's not, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I would love to be in there, um, for the, for, at least for the first 10 minutes when they start. So the, the, fir, the, the, uh, jury, uh, jury foreman says, so what do you think? <laughs> right. So, the, the general rule of thumb, the longer they take to deliberate, the better it is for the defendant. Ah, that's bullcrap. Don't listen to that. <laughs> it's better, it's better for this, it's better for that. It just, it just takes whatever, however long it takes. And it doesn't matter. I, I would imagine they're going to need a couple of readbacks. This thing was, what, five months long? Yeah. They're going to need some readbacks. Uh, they're going to need, you know, someone's going to argue some kind of point. 
they have to wonder, because you can't possibly tell me that they haven't heard about Rachel Spector's uh, uh, interview. Uh, they, they haven't heard about Phil Spector's alleged interview with the Daily Mail, or Mirror, rather, or Daily Mail, rather. Um, so you, you have to wonder what they're discussing and what they're talking about and how they're going to sift through all this stuff. Well, because she, they weren't sequestered or anything. No, they weren't. No, they were just sent home at the end of the day with the order not to... Don't watch TV. Don't watch TV. Yeah. Or if you do, ignore anything about the Spectre sure, trial. Sure. Oh, my gosh. And the judge just, just laid into Rachel Spectre today, and she tried to argue with the guy. I'm thinking, oh, we're going to see something. We're going to see some fireworks here. I thought it was going to be very good, and it wound up uh, the defense was telling her to just kind of cool it and just say yes. So what's the deal? So if the jury comes back and they go, yep, he's guilty, do they immediately take him and stick him in the in, in, yeah, in jail? Yeah, and, and, and the appeal process immediately begin so you know if if there's guilt to be found uh, this will not be over uh, all right so so there's there's it's crazy baby it is uh and then of course we asked uh laura if you were talking about if they had sent you to talk about the vmas but i guess you guys are busy doing the, the specter thing to talk they didn't have you uh, doing the mtv thing i did not go to the okay. mtv it was crap the only thing you missed uh was a noticeably out of shape britney spears forgetting the lyrics to her own song and having trouble walking. I saw the clips. I thought maybe she was high. I that's exactly I said and this is my my opinion, my theory, uh that she didn't either didn't know where she was, didn't hadn't prepared enough or was high or all of those. And things. it wasn't even good high. It wasn't like a pot high, it was a volume kind of high, you know, where <laughs> she was kind of stumbling. Yeah. Know? No, she just seemed and I'm not trying to make a pot uh, pun here, but she seemed very blunted. She seemed very um it was, it was all soft edges with her. It seems like there was no clarity to her performance. You're at all. right. Yeah, she didn't pop like she used to. Totally. And I mean, yeah. she used to be. I mean, whatever anybody thinks about her music or what, however much she's a creation of, of some record company, she used to at least be really into those performances. She 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 pulled her weight, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but now, man, it's like she was just she was just a just a, a plaything up there. She was just a prop put up there, uh, and was outperformed by by everybody on stage around her. So. Yeah, she's. Yeah, she's she done. needed more clothing too. I thought. No, she's. Well, that's the thing. Again, it's not. I mean, look, it's not like she's. She was flat out ugly, as I as I stated earlier in the show. Um, I know that television does tricks and makes makes somebody look better than they're not, and you know whatever. That being said, as I said, if you were at, you know, if if a girl who looked like Britney last night came up to you in a bar and offered to take you home, I mean, you'd be out in her car before she finished the sentence. Not me, sir. Oh, uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> course jim roop and he's i was a standards. mile away at the time um <laughs> theoretically speaking if when you were single um so it's not like oh, she yeah, was, of course it's not like she was ugly but it, the problem is that she's not competing with like regular ordinary women she's competing not even with other celebrities britney's competing with how britney used to look See, it's not even that though it's it's somebody should have told her look you're not 18 anymore yeah, exactly you need to wear something else it's not and, even, and it yeah. might have been a little bit better. I think people would have been less critical of her if she would have come out looking like, you know, okay, I'm the mature Britney now. I've gone through that crap. Here's here's who I am now. Well, and I got to tell you, and for the billionth time today, I will use the word Madonna. Um, it, Madonna is the best example. Because look, whatever anybody thinks about Madonna, you know, Madonna has been some flavor of sexy her whole career. Yes. But you know, a lot of times Madonna was uh, sexy while being almost completely covered up. Um, you know, because Madonna, and I can't believe as a man I'm saying this, but as Ma Madonna realized, there was more to being sexy than just showing your cans. 
Um, you know, yeah, and I'm, I, she could move it. Man. I'm all for can showing. Yeah, but yeah, and, and she knew that you didn't have to go out there in a string bikini every time, because if you do, people are just gonna get sick of it. I mean, there's always, you know, there's always somebody newer and younger and hotter and whatever. Uh, and Britney is just, uh, it's like Britney is not acknowledging that time has passed. You know? Yes. So I agree. She just, and I'm trying to think of who else has done that recently, but it's, she just won't acknowledge that times have changed. And I think that she has this idea that, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that, that she's so big that everybody just stays in what the time stands still and people just wait for her to come back and do her next stage of, uh, you know, her career. And that's not the case. You gotta keep people interested. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta have a gimmick, something new, something whatever. You gotta keep the attention of the public, especially this demographic, because they're all, I mean, her old fans are all like 30 now. Right. You know? and I her... think she needs, I think, I think she needs to move along with her original fans. Yeah. That's where I think she needs to be. Like Madonna has done that. Yep, exactly. You know? And that's why I think she's maintained. And that's why I think also she gets a new audience uh, whenever she goes to a different town because the parents are saying, let's go see this chick. You right, know? right, totally. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. And then I, I, I'm real sad Tommy Lee couldn't hold his own against Kid Rock. See, we were uh, talking about this earlier. So I'm still unclear about who started the fight. Well, the, the fight was started by Kid Rock. The, in, the whole incident was started by Tommy Lee. So Tommy Lee was just taunting him or th giving him crap, and then yeah. Kid Rock did. It looked to me like kind of a bitch fight. Could have he, a yeah, slap he, fight. well, he, he bitch slapped him, and then uh, and then uh, Tommy Lee, I guess, got up as if he was going to do something, and then Kid Rock just just clocked him. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty satisfying. As long as somebody clocked somebody. Yeah. See, from what I saw, all... and, and then the, and then the Tommy Lee was escorted out. All the dragged video, out. the yeah, the only video I've seen has been Tommy Lee being dragged away. I haven't able to, I haven't been able to see any of the actual fight. So, so somebody's taunting somebody. Kid Rock slaps Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee gets up like he's going to do something about, it, and Kid Rock just punches just, him right in the face. Yeah. Yeah, that's the account that I received by two people. I, two. I, by two people I trust. You know what? As long as somebody punched somebody, oh, yeah. I'm happy. Oh, Kid Rock punched him. I was afraid that it was just... Because uh, there's nothing worse than two, like, you know, kind of badass rock stars getting up and then just having, like, a slap fight with each yeah. other. That would just be <laughs> that would just be ridiculous. That would just be sad. All right. Excellent. Well, now I have to go look for a video of that. Well done. I, I hope did, somebody took one. That's be, we can only hope for some sort, of a, uh, some sort of a rematch. Normally, you have to watch the Source Awards to get this kind of a thing. So I'm <laughs> glad that we had it last night. All right. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Enjoy Thank your you, day, sir. my friend. There Thank you, you go. Jim Roop. Fantastic. All right. Well, now, do you have video of that, of Kid Rock punching Tommy Lee? Yeah, I watched it, but you can't really see anything because no. it's pretty far away. That's too bad. Yeah, it's not impressive. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, I was just thinking, you know, Brittany in her current state, um, do you remember way back uh, when Tony Basil had her day? Yes. And she had all those videos. The one thing, I always thought it was so transparent, but nobody ever commented on it, was that all the dancers with uh, Tony Basil, they were always two or three sizes bigger than she was. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't noticed that, really? Oh, yeah, and all of her videos. She she always has these, like, because uh, Tony Basil's, I don't know, what is she, like, maybe a, back in the day she was, like, a 7 or a 9 or something uh, like I don't that. know. So, I, I'm a guy. I, don't, I have no idea what a size means. No, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, she'd always have, if you ever go back and look at any of those videos, um, the girls were always at least two or three sizes bigger to make her look better. Excellent. And so, Brittany should totally do that then. I, well, I don't know what else she can do, really. <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, if she was able to go back in time with with uh, with with uh, you know Christopher Lloyd, if she was able to travel back in time to like last week and just hire some uh, some you know some, go to the local Lane Bryant and just hustle up some dancers there. 
Well, maybe they could, uh, you know, the next uh, the next video could be shot in a C's candy store, and they get those old ladies, you know, the, the like, fat old now. women. Brittany just surrounded by fat octogenarians from now on. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Only get better. Thank you. All right. Excellent. Yeah, you know, and it's just got to suck because, you know, we all like to think that celebrities live on a totally different higher plane than us, or, or we do think that anyway. Or, you know, you think of, you know, Brittany just living in some weird glass castle in the sky. You know, and I hate to be sounding like I'm just trying to go, oh, they're just like, put on their pants one leg at a time. But, you know, that Brittany gets on the Internet, undoubtedly, and she read. you know, celebrities probably read more gossip about themselves than we read about them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Brittany's on the Internet, and every opening sentence is terrible. Like, uh... Oh, she seems kind of crazy, though. I might think that she'd stay away from the Internet. Maybe her people keep her away from the Internet. Maybe her people don't let her read the news. Because, I mean, New York Post, Brittany a bust, headline. And instead of calling her the loud and, clu- uh, loud and clear loser, they call her the lard and clear loser. Oh. Britney Spears, totally lame, pathetically lip-synced video. Why was it allowed to be seen by the rest of the world? That's the opening uh, sentence in the post. Oh, because MTV probably realizes they don't need anything with her anymore so they can right. sever their ties. Totally. Breitbart, here's the opening. Here's the worst one. from the AP, according to Breitbart.com. Opening sentence. What's the worst thing you could possibly hear if you're Britney Spears? Opening sentence. Somewhere, Kevin Federline is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that she's sitting up, you know, well, I gotta see, I gotta see what the people think of me. On out of shape, no, out of she touch. No, she knew she was crying when she was going back to her hotel room last I night. wondered if that was because of the Sarah Silverman thing, though. No, she's, nah. I don't think she's that deep. I think she's blaming it on the Sarah Silverman thing, because that way she can be like, my family. Because then she can, she can make Sarah Silverman look like the bad person. Mm, well, and Sarah Silverman is a bad person, well, but I don't think that's why. She appears to have forgotten the art of lip-syncing, and perhaps most unforgivable, given her once-taught frame, she looked embarrassingly out of shape. Even the celebrity-studded audience seemed confused. 50 Cent looked at Spears with a confused look on his face. I think that's probably a standard state of existence for him. Diddy, Diddy, her new best friend, was expressionless. Breathlessly hyped by MTV as the evening's most anticipated performance, it became the most shockingly bad of the night. Jive Records might want to push back the November 13th album release date. Really? Is it supposed to come out November 13th? And, you know, if that's their lead single, that's got to be the best song on the album. I mean, from an A&R perspective, from a a getting attention to people album. Jesus. God, imagine if that's the best song on the record. All right. Uh, Should we break? Yeah. What time is it? 1.25. Okay. Uh, here's what's coming up. We have uh, Peter Carlin, TV critic from the Oregonian. Top five musical comebacks of all time. Oh, let me see if these are... Uh... Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the top five musical comebacks. How's Scotty do? Well, he's learned the art of cutting and pasting. Look, huge endless paragraphs about each artist written here. I can tell it's cut and pasted because they're all like in different point sizes. Well... Uh, we'll see. All right. Tim Riley around the corner. Top five. Peter Carlin. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, Tim Riley in just a moment. Oh, you know, we have, we have, uh, on the phone here a second. That's right, I forgot that Dennis is giving us, he went to see Justin Timberlake. 
This, uh, so we'll get that in a second. Dennis wants to see Justin Timberlake with his child bride. Speaking of brides, Scotty made the best uh, the best comment this morning, and then we'll talk to uh, we've got this guy about Brittany here in a second. But I I walked by Scotty's cave this morning, and he was in there, and we were talking about the top five, trying to find the sixth person, you know, the honorable mention for the top five. And Scotty gets a um, a uh, text message, and I didn't look over his shoulder to see who it was from, but he looked at it and he kind of goes, oh God, and just like. You know, jabs at it angrily and sets it aside. And I said, you know, I said facetiously, good news. And uh, he said, oh, man, my wife wants the credit card number. She just spends money like it's going out of style. And I thought he was being kooky. Like he was, you know, saying like a cliche guy line. But no, he said it with like full force and seriousness. Just spends money like it's going out of style, Rick. Scotty works hard for his money. So hard for it. Well... And the question, like, what could, I mean... I was waiting for Rick to say the honey. No, I'm just thinking, she can't possibly be spending Scotty's money. I mean, one good purchase would just wipe out a year's worth of that. I mean, really, honestly, what... She has to, by definition, she has to be spending her own money. He still does the DJing thing on the weekends. One good Barbie house would... What? what? Oh, I suppose that is true. Uh, hello, sir, you have a comment about Brittany. Brittany. Yeah, Brittany. Hi. Yeah, I, I just wanted to rub a little more salt in the wound there. Apparently... Uh, there's this chick, Rihanna, that had this hit song, Umbrella. Umbrella. Yeah. Well, apparently that song was offered to Britney first, <laughs> and she turned it down. Oh, <laughs> Rihanna just won awards with it. It won the Monster Single of the Year Award, actually. Monster yeah. Single, she won yeah. Best Female Performer, I think, and Best like, New right, Artist. Right, right. Oh, that's got to burn. Isn't that oh, great? Oh, yeah. Well, that's like... Yeah, um, I saw that on Yahoo News last night. thought you'd like to know. I did. Thank you, sir. Hey, no oh, problem. That's, that's got to suck. And that song is so popular, you know, Britney hears it everywhere she goes. Every time she's in an elevator, she hears that song. Well, there you go. That's unfortunate. Uh, real quickly, let's find out how the Justin Timberlake concert went, and then we'll uh, roll to the news. Tim Riley. Hello, uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger. What's up, sir? Hey, not much. Hey. Actually, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I have to admit it that uh, the show started out a little strange. You know, Good Charlotte opened up, and it was uh, kind of an interesting. There really wasn't a lot of people there, which kind of surprised me. Good Charlotte uh, opened up for Justin Timberlake? Yeah, if you can believe that. That is kind of strange. Well, that's... Okay. All right. Well, no, they just... They opened up, and they played a couple of their songs, and they were pretty good. You know, they kind of... You know, the, the sound, obviously, they got the... Uh, somebody had the volume knob uh, probably about halfway at that point. Um, but, you know, Justin comes out, does the show. I was, uh, you know, genuinely impressed. I mean, you got to, you know, whether you like the music or not, you have to give the guy credit for showmanship, the fact that he obviously, by watching the VMAs and just, you know, I'll throw it in, I'll kick her while she's down. I mean, she sucked and she's fat now. But, you know, you could tell that Justin uh, actually was enjoying what he was doing and he put it on a good show. Probably the most interesting fact of the actual show was the fact that when he, they finally pulled the curtains down and he came up through the floor. Right. I have never heard the shrill of 25,000 12-year-olds at once. And your wife. Oh, wait. And, well, she's 25, so she's yeah. double the age of the average occupant. But, uh, you know, it was an amazing, I tell you what, man, it was a, it was amazing sound. Uh, what actually I had the biggest kick out of, too, was the fact that I was watching all these kind of uh, moms and daughters that were there, and you would watch the mom's face. Justin took a girl uh, by the hips from behind and said, tell me how you like it. And so it was a little oh, bit of creepy. a interesting um, okay. interesting uh, dichotomy as far as yeah. the way that the uh, show is presented to a 12-year-old. Jesus. I'm so glad I don't have kids, really, because the idea of having to shield them from these uh, lyrics, I mean, it's just I, I don't even I don't even know how to handle that. 
All right. Uh, well, well it, it, I, I will give you this. You know, as far as showmanship and stage presence and the way he put it on, I admit it, I am a butt rocker from the 80s, and I very much enjoyed the Justin well, Timberlake I mean, show. It's, it's not a concert, it's a show. How much did you pay for the tickets? Can you tell us that? I don't know. My wife, you know, she's got the credit card with the big balance. You know, she just does whatever she wants. Dennis said around $200 last week. Yeah, she and Scotty. On the air, so I'm not saying anything that you You and Scott, her and Scotty's wife just get together and just uh, make it make a day of it. Yeah, they, you know, she's got the, all I get is like the $500 secured MasterCard. She's got the the platinum diamond card. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I'm just a car guy. Well done. Thank you, sir. All right, buddy. There you go. Dennis Pittsburgh, ladies and gentlemen. At the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's 84 street-level degrees in downtown Portland. The heat wave is upon us. Temperature today may hit 95 degrees in the metro area. Police say a 19-year-old California woman was arrested after an officer saw him smacking her living boyfriend with her purse during an apparent argument over whether or not to take a romantic walk on the beach. An officer driving along an ocean avenue saw the woman hitting her 24-year-old boyfriend, first with the bag and then with her fists. The officer intervened and learned that the couple, who were not immediately identified, were fighting over whether or not to take a stroll along the beach. Taking a walk on the beach like a loving couple! Her boyfriend was let free. She was booked. All right. Well, the top uh, U.S. military commander in Iraq cites the uh, the progress that's on the march and hopes to start reducing American troops in the coming months. General Petraeus is updating Congress on the effectiveness of the troop surge. I have recommended a drawdown of the surge forces from Iraq. In fact, later this month, the Marine Expeditionary Unit deployed as part of the surge will depart Iraq. Well, I, well see, but again, he just won't come out and say it. Are we leaving, uh, even if it's gradually or not? That sounds like relief. He's not allowed to say that. I, he's, he's, yeah, he's couching his words a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like we're leaving. No, and the British are leaving. The British are gone. The oh, British have left. I they're believe. gone. It, it does. Can you play that again? Because it sounds very much like he's without. He's trying I to. I have s- recommended a drawdown of the surge forces from Iraq. In fact, later this month, the Marine Expeditionary Unit deployed as part of the surge will depart Iraq. Yeah, we're leaving. That's what that is. He no. just doesn't want to put it that we way. We don't cut and run. No, I know, because that would be unfair. These colors don't run. Oh, of course not. I don't, especially on uh, right before September 11th, it would be, uh, you know, we would you know, be, be un-American. There will be uh, more troops leaving Iraq later this year and earlier next year. The withdrawal of a brigade combat team without replacement in mid-December. Withdrawal without replacement. That's without leaving replacement is what that is. Oh, no, that's patriotism. And oh, the two sorry. surge marine battalions in the first seven months of 2008. We're talking about somebody's liberty here. Leaving only a Starbucks and a Jimboree in our wake. Changing the mission now is not doable. That's what it says. One may argue that the best way to speed the process in Iraq is to change the MNFI mission from one that emphasizes population security, counterterrorism, and transition to one that is strictly focused on transition and counterterrorism. Making that change now would, in our view, be premature. I don't know. He said we're leaving. That's all, that's all anybody really cares about. Oh, by the way, this report is his own. This is my testimony. Although I have briefed my assessment and recommendations to my chain of command, testimonies like I wrote it, this but testimony this one is mine. myself. It has not been cleared by nor shared with anyone in the Pentagon the White House or the Congress until it was just handed out. Well, clearly not. Tony Snow said nobody has seen this before. Trying to play the poll game as an indirect way of trying to discredit somebody 
who has served his nation well. I thought Tony Snow retired. And apparently is Not making yet. what some people think is the politically unforgivable sin of succeeding. The White House did not tell him what to say. He's going to speak independently. He will speak his mind. He will give his impressions. And I don't think any member of Congress who's had significant dealings with him believes that they're going to get anything other than his, his straight views on these matters. All glory to the hypno-toad. Futurami. Well, whatever. We're leaving. He, he won't put it that no, way. No, no, we're not leaving. Because, well, the great thing about it is... You've got to be taking away their liberty. No, of course. And he's done this great thing, because George Bush is not all that bright, He's, which I think everybody of both parties knows. He, I think even the most fervent Republican, see Ralph Reed, I mean, I'll never forget seeing the look on Ralph Reed's face after Bush just ate it in that one, that first debate with John Kerry. Mm -hmm. um, it was the one where I was in Los Angeles uh, for that film festival. And then Sarah either called me or texted me, she's like, tell me you're watching this! And it was the one where Kerry did everything but get up there and just, just, just punch him in the face. Um, which ended up not helping in the long run. But I remember seeing that interview with Ralph Reed after where Ralph Reed looked like someone had just shot his family. I mean, it was like someone it was like someone had set fire to his dog. I mean, it was just like a, I don't understand what just happened, but I think we're going to lose. Um, but clearly everybody knows George Bush isn't that bright, and Petraeus obviously knows that. So he's figured out that if he says, I want us to leave, that Bush will figure that out and throw up a, a hissy fit about it. He's described it with a bunch of really hard words. Uh, so Bush will look at that and not know what it means and therefore ignore it. So well done, Petraeus. That's, he's, 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 he's sliding it past the radar by dint of uh, the cunning use of, you know, monosyllabic or uh, multisyllabic words. All right. Uh, speaking of John Kerry, we have him here saying we should not be fooled into thinking problems in Iraq can be solved militarily. We will never have enough troops to provide the kind of tactical success in one community or another all across Iraq. So the only way in which this is ultimately going to be resolved and honor the troops and meet our national interests is to have the political reconciliation. Not so, says John McCain, <laughs> well, it's we like must, the battle of the hands here. Keep on fighting. We have to sink to that level to to dismirch the reputation of a very fine and wonderful American. And I, I, I lament the, the level of dialogue. I hope that my Democrat friends will not be guided by MoveOn.org. Yes, progress has been met. <laughs> I am guardedly optimistic that if we send the message that we are there to win and let this surge continue, really then I think you could see a messy but favorable outcome. Messy but favorable. Uh, John Kerry said it's not an issue of bringing the troop home. On it's a question of whether or not the Iraqi government is going to step up and make decisions that are out of the hands of our army, that are outside of any military solution. Well, it's almost time for 9-11 again, and it's tomorrow. Uh, the government says that terrorists continue plotting large attacks against us, and we do need them. We assess that al-Qaeda is planning to attack the homeland, is likely to continue to, to focus on prominent political, economic, and infrastructure targets with the goal of producing mass casualties, who is, visually who is this? dramatic destruction, and significant econ economic shocks. What year is that from? Uh, 1954. <laughs> I mean, really, well, yeah, un-Americans. Haven't we been hearing that same warning forever? What is uh, National Intelligence Director Mike McConnell? What did John Cain and, and John Kerry think about that, Tim? Though that's really the important. Did they really just? I mean, look, I know that I, I'm going to be accused of being out of touch with the way my government works, but I'd sort of forgotten that John Kerry still did anything, hadn't we all? 
yeah, guess he's, he's still, still a around. he's still a senator, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I I guess I'd sort of forgotten about that. John McCain, I guess still a senator, sort of forgotten about that. You know, because the, the, the left will never forgive John Kerry for no. just completely uh, muffing it so badly. Just the left will never. He he's not like a guy like McGovern. I mean, the left will always, in a way, I, the left in a perverse way, sort of loves that McGovern got so stomped by Richard Nixon, who was later, you know, because of course the, I'm not going to say the election was rigged, but of course, uh, you know, it was tilted unfavorably uh, against McGovern by all of Nixon's dirty tricks. The left, in a way, always. The left, in a way, had just has this love affair with losing because then it lets them catch about things. Democrats love to lose because then they can just oh, the injustice, it's, it's conspiracy. They burned the ballots in Ohio, and it allows them to see conspiracy theories and un, and unfairness everywhere. And it gives Randy Rhodes something to you know to bitch and moan about in this weird, like high, shrill, you know, Silverman-esque tone of voice. Um, I thought Lycus had bigger numbers than she did. Well, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't like to brag. Uh, the only point I'm making is that, anyway, but, the, but with John Kerry, the left will never forgive him because he just talked about a cut and run. Just talk about a guy who had the chance just to put the boot in on George Bush and that just didn't do. Who cares what John Kerry thinks about anything at this point? Much less talking to John McCain, whose chances of winning are zero. So low, they cannot even be graphed. I mean, as to be non-existent, they are that low. It's like having a debate between... Willie Ames and Gary Berghoff. I mean, really, honestly. Here are more warnings. More things to be afraid of. Uh, this is FBI Director Robert Mueller talking about counterterrorism success, but warns against complacency, especially tomorrow. We cannot rest easy. Al-Qaeda and other extremist groups continue to have the will and the ability to attack us, and we must all continue our vigilance, commitment, and efforts to keep America safe. You don't rest easy. Unless you're Donald Draper, you sleep on a bed of money. <laughs> on a bed. Oh, we should talk about that. The first of all, I'm sorry, third of all, you know why I'm not afraid of Al Qaeda? Why is that? Because that guy doesn't sound afraid. I mean, play just play that sound that sound like you just played. Ask yourself while listening to this. If this was a man who really sounds like he's afraid that terrorists are at any moment going to nuke the entire country. We cannot rest easy. Al-Qaeda and other extremist groups continue to have the will and the ability to attack us, and we must all continue our vigilance, commitment, and efforts to keep America safe. Does that you sound just like that a... of a dusty violent cabinet. Exactly. Does that sound like it just blacked out the appropriate red China, Mao, Al-Qaeda? Does that sound like a guy who really has knowledge that something terrible is going to happen to the country? No. No, no it does not. If it, the guy, you know, if well, you, he's got another year to go, doesn't he? If I went up to Scotty in the street, and I went up to Scotty and I said, hey, by the way, Al-Qaeda's coming any minute, any second now. They've got a suitcase. They're going to be blowing things up all over the country. It's going to happen. We've got to tell people. That's what it would, and Scotty would come, eh, Al-Qaeda's coming. They're going to blow some stuff up. We've got to call somebody. Get a fire truck. That's what that sounds like when you know that something bad is about to happen. When a guy's car is about to get towed, you sound more anxious. They're going to tow your car. Get out there. No, there's a guy. He's hooking up the towing thing right now. They're trying to blow up big lots. Exactly. <laughs> totally. The meat flavor Doritos are almost gone. I mean, that guy just sounds like he's reading an old Reader's Digest. He's not concerned. I'm not concerned. F it. I don't care. 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 Uh, Mad Men. So I, you've seen last Thursday's Mad Men. Yes. I just watched it. I'm saying, from my money, best episode of the series so mm-hmm. far. Uh, I had thought... Well, up until that time, the episode with the little girl's birthday party yeah. was the best. Mm-hmm. Um, 
God, that show was just so uh, powerful and haunting to me in so many ways. Um, just in ways that I can't even quantify. And I don't mean to sound all fruity about it, but I mean, it's just that show really, um, it really resonates in a really strange way, it, I think, with a lot of people. It's it, really stick to your television. It, it does. It, it, for it, for reasons that I can't really explain. Um, that character of Don Draper, it's just... Like, I watch episodes of that show, and it just stays with me. And I just find myself turning it over and over and over in my head. Um, not in a sort of murder mystery kind of way, like a, you know, like when you watch a particularly gripping episode of Matlock or something, and you're trying to puzzle out who killed the judge. It, it, you, I think, and I really firmly believe this, that the thing, the little spice that makes Mad Men uh, especially compelling is... The time period in which they have said it, which, as I've said before, is, is, is great to me because it's um, old enough to give us some distance and to, for us to see cultural changes, but recent enough that it seems contemporary and that those people are probably still alive, if old. Uh, and the yeah, idea in the late 70s to early yeah, 80s. Exactly. Imagine people having affairs who are in, like, nursing homes. That's, you know, and that's the thing that everybody has talked about. Every person I've talked to. Uh, that we've discussed Mad Men, they've all said the same thing. They've said that, you know, you never really look at a guy who's 75 years old right now. I mean, think about a guy you know, whether it's a grandparent or... Think of somebody you know who's like 75. And that would have been the JFK generation. Yeah, basically. Somebody you know that's in their 70s or older. And then picture them as like the young, dapper guy in the office who's secretly, you know, uh, having sex with the secretary on his, you know, on his office sofa before the cleaning crew comes in in the morning or whatever, you know, or, or having some, you know... Uh, wife in the suburbs and the mistress in the city, uh, you know, or, or you know, or secretly setting, arranging for like a call girl to meet with a client at the Four Seasons, you know, or something. You don't think about those things as having taken place in the 50s and the 60s, because when you meet an old person now, do you remember, like when you meet an old? It's like right, we were saying with Jay Wyman earlier. You think of an old person, you think of them always having been old. You can't really conceive of an old person that you know having, even if intellectually you know that your grandmother was at one point a hormone-crazed 19-year-old, you can't really think about it. You know, not even just because it's unpleasant, you just can't really picture it. You can't picture your your grandfather being a swinging guy about town with a bunch of dames, you know, on his arm. Uh, and you watch Mad Men, and the, the knowledge that Don Draper is now some 75-year-old guy in a nursing home is just, it messes with your head. It freaks you out. Um... He is just such an amazing character, too. Yeah. And I know, I don't know if you watched, did you watch Sports Night? No. Sports Night, you really ought to watch Sports Night. Sports Night, you ought to watch. Uh, you really should watch Sports Night, because the character of Don Draper to me is very similar to the character of Casey McCall, who was played by Peter Krause, who then went on to play Nate on Six Feet Under. Um, but um, just very much a very traditional, masculine man, uh, you know, in a very keep-it-to-himself, you know, doesn't show a lot of feelings, very professional kind of, you know, it's, you know, the, the, this is the backbone of steel, very square-jawed, and doesn't share a lot of what's inside of him, but then has this sort of deep inner conflict. And that's a lot of how Don Draper is. But um, that whole sequence, we'll talk more about this with Peter Carlin, but that whole sequence where he is at his bohemian mistress's apartment, and... You know, and they're as as the one character puts it, we're gonna get high and listen to Miles. I mean, it's just 
so and it's strange. And when he walks out at the end, and a cop doesn't give him a second look because he's the way he's dressed, and um, so and it's just the greatest show, though. It is. It, it is just fantastic. I can't recommend Mad Men enough. It is really fantastic. And it plays like every night, so there's no excuse to to miss it, even though you don't have a DVR. And they do marathons. Yep. I just clicked on my TV the other day, and there was like nine episodes or however many did it. All the episodes were sitting there. It, it really is. It's fantastic. As I think this caller will attest. Hello, caller about Mad Men. Hey, how's it going, Rick? What's up? Hey, I'm really jacked up about the Mad Men thing, too. It's pretty cool. I was, you kind of stole my thunder. I was, I was going to bring up that scene where they were all going to get high and listen to Miles. I thought that was just the coolest thing. Well, and, and the fact that he, uh, you know, lives between these two worlds uh, where his guys are all uh, drinking in the office and, you know, and whatever, going to some, you know, burlesque club or whatever it is they and do. And taking their time to getting home on Long Island somewhere where totally. the wives don't expect them to be home early. That's the other thing is the idea that the wives are just so living in this encapsulated doing time on Maple Drive su- suburb, that that guy can be at his bohemian girlfriend's apartment for three hours in the East Village, and the wife doesn't even notice, because it's just assumed that he'll be home whenever he damn well wants to be home, because he's the man, and it's 1960, and he'll do what he likes. And the I wife... like the, the Sopranos thing, only the other side of the coin sort of deal. No, it, it, no that really is true. It is, it is very much like a... Uh, like a sort of suburban Sopranos, I guess, or I don't know how you call it, white collar office Sopranos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, best show ever. Thank you. Thanks. All right, uh, let's do one more and then we'll uh, take a break. A public opinion poll of Iraqi citizens. Excuse me, sir. Do you have a moment to answer a few questions? Apparently, this took place at the Baghdad Mall. Uh, they talked to people in the war-torn nation, revealing an overwhelming reluctance to support the U.S.-led war. A poll shows two-thirds of Iraqis surveyed believe the invasion of their country by the U.S. was wrong. That's worse for the military and the Bush administration. Nearly 60% think it's okay to engage in violence against American troops. Eight in ten Iraqis are opposed to foreign forces occupying their country and think they should leave. Additionally, six in ten say conditions in Iraq have gotten worse since the president's troop surge started in January. This poll was face-to-face with more than 2,200 Iraqis. How did they find them? 2,200 Iraqis face-to-face in the interview. went to the hospital. I suppose so. Uh, the poll was commissioned by ABC News, the BBC, and Japan's NHK. And by the way, since we're doing a lot of Russian news today, and then we'll break and we'll come back, Peter Carlin around the corner, top five uh, musical comebacks, more of Tim Riley. Oh, the Russians are doing their own version of uh, Married with Children. Oh, well, you do yours first, and then I'll do mine, because lots of Russian news today. Uh, turn on the sitcom that is the hottest television show in Russia, and it all seems too familiar. Uh, more to his living room couch is a shoe salesman who's more interested in watching sports than relations with his wife. His wife has shocking hair and even a more shocking mouth. This is the Russian version of Married with Children. Apparently they had uh, permission to do this. Um, this has been on for a couple of years now, and it's the hottest show in Russia. But it's not done in English. It's done with Russian actors. It stars... Natalia Bogukugung and Victor Lungugung. Uh, they start in the Russian... T- it's the, uh, There's a Married with Children spinoff set in Russia. It's set in Russia, and it shows them. Is it called... What did you say? It's not called Married with no, Children. No, listen. Let me get the name of it here. Turn to page... Imprisoned eight. and beaten in the ribs with a truncheon. Let's see here. I'm looking to see what this is called. Oh, it's called... Shatsulivi Vremichgugung. It's... It's translated to mean happy together. They live in one room, as most Russians do. Is there a, uh, a photograph? Yes, there is. That does look very married with children. It does. Boy, and just the slovenly son in the background. So, Victor Lujanov 
who is uh, the Al Bundy character. Mm. Fantastic. Right. With Sasha Yankin, who plays his son. So that's porn star named Sasha Yankin. Mm. Uh, this is from Moscow. The mayor of a Siberian oil town has ordered his bureaucrats to no longer use the phrase, I don't know. Oh, I heard that. They, they are now banned from saying, I don't know or I can't. Alexander Kuzmin, the 33-year-old mayor of Mijian, has banned these and 25 other phrases. It's good to see that democracy is sweeping into the former Soviet Union as a way to make his administration more efficient. To say, I don't know, is the same as admitting your helplessness. To reinforce the, uh, the ban, a framed list of the banned expressions has been hanging on the wall next to Kuzmin's office for the past two weeks. Some of the other prohibited phrases are, what can we do? <laughs> I couldn't get through a day without saying. Well, they're becoming more service-oriented, actually. <laughs> I'm reading this article. This is I, if, if today were a high concept uh, Thursday, I guess I could make it high concept Monday, but there's no time. There's no time. It's not my job. What can you do? Uh, the I would just do a. Uh, what are the other? What phrases? Bad to get you bad. Get you back. Oh no. Uh, no, some of the other prohibited phrases now in Moscow are, what can we do? It's not my job. It's impossible. <laughs> the, great, the, the great thing about this is the fact that they're on the band list implies that they were just being used all the time by government employees, which should surprise no one. Um, these are the phrases that were being used so often that they've been banned now by the mayor. What can we do? It's not my job. I can't. I don't know. It's impossible. I'm having lunch. I was away. I was sick. I was on vacation. And I'm sorry, there is no money. <laughs> Moscow sucks. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Excellent. All right. Moscow sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, really. If you have to have a law in place so that the guy goes, I don't know, what can you do? I was away, there's no money. All right, we have to take a break. We'll come back. Peter Carlin uh, from the Oregonian around the corner. We'll talk more about Madman uh, and so forth. Uh, Tim Riley returns to the news later on in the top five music comebacks of all time. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay right there. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, just one moment. We'll welcome Peter Carlin to the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello. Uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. Hi there. Hey, so I was listening to uh, your news uh, story about the, the Russian guy having to ban certain phrases. Yeah, in Moscow, you're no longer allowed to say, what can we do? It's not my job. It's impossible. Or there is no money. Yeah, well, and it was kind of cracking me up because it seemed like... Uh, 
there, uh, well, obviously, there's some serious political problems going on in, uh, yeah, yeah. in, in Russia and how they do things. But you know, I just see this guy, like, realizing that all of his cronies are so twisted that he can't just go to him and say, hey, do your job. Quit making excuses, <laughs> you know. No. He has to, like, make, like, try to, like, ban the phrases hoping that they might do something, which they obviously won't. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is, I mean, how it does impress upon you how difficult it's going to be to actually do any kind of business there. Uh, in a country where it does seem like the the answer, we have no money, is probably accurate most of the time. So now they're just going to, if they, you know, if they were being honest with you before, now they will be forced to be dishonest and to fabricate some sort of exotic reason as to why they can't get your, uh, you know, your roof thatched or whatever. Yeah, I don't really know yeah. that well, democracy is I... flourishing there. And I can't believe that they don't have enough money there. I mean, look at all the money that the guys that own the strippy joints are making now, you know. They should be taxing that and say, okay, well, strippy this is going to go to this guy. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. Strippy joints. Is that like a sippy cup? Hey, by the way, it is pronounced beer cozy, is it not? Like a tea like a tea cozy? I don't know. I say co- like you can say cozy or cozy. I thought cozy was an untoward term uh, for... No, I think it... I thought that was a slang term. There's an ooh in both of them, but they mean different things. They're homonyms. I don't know, crazy man. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. You have the sound or not me? Oh, uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I forgot I do I do have his sounder. I uh, I forgot that. Hold, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Push your balls in my top. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show for the Oregonian, Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, man. Hi. Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm Danby. Um, You're Danby? Dandy. Okay. Danby's not a word. No, it's not. But uh, neither is cozy. Now, see. Cozy? See, it's. Uh, yeah, beer cozy. And I think. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that's just some sort of lazy. Um, some lazy blue collar pronunciation of that word. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Hey, by the way, sir, did I bring you that beer cozy that my wife bought for you? No, but you told me about it, and it sounds awesome. It's great. It's the trashiest thing ever. It is a camouflage beer cozy that in pink stitching says, Sarah X. Dillon. Um, and the guy tried to pass it off as being, quote, the punk rock font. And really, it's just that the machine is all jittery and doesn't really work very well. And so it's just all, like, jagged and ugly. So uh, it's great, though. I'll bring that for you tomorrow. Blah, 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 blah. You know, Danby is not a word. Neither is, what is that word that Scotty J was using this morning? Tremultuous. Which is how he was trying to describe um, the saga of uh, pop band Fleetwood Mac. Tremultuous? He, he said they really did have a tumultuous, uh, you know, career. And I said, please just spell that word. And the first spelling we got was T R E M U L C H U I S. Whoa. Yes. And then the the second spelling, I let him take a take another run at it, having giving him the, having given him the correct pronunciation, and I got. T e m o l t i o u s Temultius. So there you go. Temultius, isn't that in Greece? Yes, it's one of those islands. <laughs> Temultius is a large aquatic god that they uh, that they pray to. Yeah. Temultius is right next to Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> Why are we speaking of Fleetwood Mac in the past tense? Uh because we were uh, later on today. Our top five is going to be uh, top five rock comebacks or musical comebacks of yeah. all time, and we were having some debate about whether Fleetwood Mac ought to be on that list. And I was saying no because a comeback to me denotes the popularity and success of new material, not simply a reunion tour that suckers money out of baby boomers. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I, I didn't hear that record that came out a couple of years ago, the new one, the new original record that they did. Yeah, but I don't think there were any hits off that. Well, hits, Schmitz. I mean, was it a good record or wasn't it a good record? I haven't heard it. But, I don't know. I haven't heard it. The I mean, just because you have hits, I mean... I don't know. I'm saying a full-fledged comeback, regardless comeback. regardless of the artistic merit, I think to, for it to be a successful comeback, there has to be an element of chart or financial success of the new material. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, and so Fleetwood Mac, I think, doesn't count uh, just like... Uh, what was the other band he was trying to, trying to insist had some sort of a... Uh, Scotty, who was the other band you were insisting had some sort of a successful comeback? And I told you that was a big load. The Eagles. Yeah, that doesn't count either. Um, yeah, you know, those are the guys, they're still working, that's like they spent 10 years or something working on a new, a new record. Yeah. Which, and it's sort of like, you know, any record that takes that long, it's like you guys are actually in the studio, like, getting every little, like, <laughs> every micro pause. For a record that no one will care about. I mean, let's well, be honest. And there, are, and, and I don't know if this is real or not, but is it true that they're actually only selling the new record at Walmart? That, well, it would not surprise me because I know that Garth Brooks's new collection is only being sold at Walmart. Yeah. Uh, so that is certainly not without its precedent. It seems a little strange to me, though, because you can't have a huge hit if you're only selling it in one store. Well, but they're, uh, you know, but uh, what they really ought to be doing is they ought to say that you can only buy that record if you go to see the Eagles in concert. Uh, I mean, really, if they're going to minimize their market, you might as well just minimize it all the way and force everybody to buy a you know, $150 ticket to get the record. Which I think is what Prince did. Didn't Prince do that? No, that was the other way around, where the only way you could get tickets to that tour he did was to buy the CD. Well, then he gave away three and a half million copies of his CD in England Britain. or something. Yeah, boy, the British record industry all pissed off about that, too. They're not happy with him. Well. Doesn't matter. He's Prince, and he is funky. He can do whatever he likes. Yeah, that's what they say about me, too. It's Because I can dance. Can you really? Yeah. Can you dance? Occasionally, I've, I've been known to become a robot. <laughs> I think you're just screwing with me now. Yeah, I am. Honest, I'm, I'm doing the rope a dope. Are you? Uh, are, uh, but, uh, are you actually? Are you gifted with any dancing ability, Peter Carlin? Um. Well, how do you define ability, and how do you define gift? Uh, are, mean, you, are you able to do any dance that is not the white man tilting back and forth in place to a slow song dance? Well, if I've been drinking, yes. <laughs> when you're drinking, what is your dance of choice? I can't remember. <laughs> well done. Perry, dodge, spin, and thrust. All right. Uh, hey, speaking of music, did you see the VMAs or part of it? Nope. Oh boy, boy, you missed some. You missed some bad TV, and it was bad in just the most satisfying of way. I mean, it was. If I didn't know better, I would think that a lot of that, like the Tommy Lee Kid Rock sort of bitch fight, was just sort of planned by MTV. I suspect it wasn't because I don't think they're that smart anymore. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like that's the sort of thing that MTV might have planned to get a little bit of media attention. What are they fighting about? I, I don't know, General actually. principles? That's a good question. Do we know, Sarah, do we know why that fight even, I mean, they're both married to Pam Anderson, but do we know why that fight started? Oh, because they're both morons. Because they're bitches. That's they're not a woman. They're arguing over who's sleazier. <laughs> Maybe. It's a, it's a, no, sort of a, I am. <laughs> some sort of a sleaze off. Um, <laughs> so there's that, and then there's Britney Spears, uh, who, you know, is just her own. The question, and you may, I don't even know if you care enough to have input on this, but Sarah and I were talking during the break about what does she do now? Because last night was her big... Her big, you know, return, her big uh, music fest, music industry cotillion, you know, where they were going to reintroduce her to the world. It's too soon, man. But So I understand it didn't go well. Oh, no, it went terribly. No, it was crap. What it did she sing? Did she sing? She lip-synced badly. She um, lip-synced about half of the song that she was pretending to sing. That when she did lip-sync, it was off. 
uh, her vaunted sense of rhythm uh, was not anywhere in Whoa. attendance. Uh, sometimes there were large sections of it where she just quit singing or you know lip syncing altogether. She didn't even try. She literally just closed her mouth while the audio track, the vocal track, kept playing. Um, she was forgetting the choreography, which, if you're an act like her, the choreography is of equal importance. Mm. Um, she was very tentative, obviously following the, the the maneuvers of her dancers around her because she couldn't remember what the hell to do. Uh, I won't go so far as to say that she looked fat or ugly, but I will say that compared to compared to her own past self, which is you know with whom she was, she's competing, she didn't look good. So you're saying Bob Dole isn't even interested in her anymore? No. No, why would you go to Bob Dole? Oh, because he uses um, penis. He did that ad, remember? Because he does, because he uses boner pills. Well, and then he did that ad, that <laughs> Pepsi ad or whatever it was, where then he was watching her on TV, and then his, and he's sitting with a little dog who goes like, and he goes, and he goes, down, boy. Yeah. So it was sort of like a very is, subtle reference to his creepy. other ads. Which is totally creepy. Which is totally creepy because he's like 75 years old. Yeah. And at that point, I don't even think she was eight. I mean, she, I don't even think she was 20 yet. No, no, that is true. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Um, and it's not that she was, again, I, 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 I will not just sort of blindly go along and say that she looked fat or looked whatever. But I will say that. For better or worse, there's a different standard when you're uh, a female entertainer whose success came about somewhat because of your looks. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and frankly, just to be honest, I mean, she's not 18 and she's had a couple of kids, and you cannot be wearing like a minuscule bra and panty set, basically, without a lot of preparation beforehand. That's, well, you know, that's yeah. it. you got to learn, you know, Madonna learned to start covering up at a certain point. Um, you know, and Britney has not learned that lesson. She will. You know, there will be a comeback at some point, there but I feel like she's got to go, uh, you know, she's got she's to hit bottom first. I don't know if she's there yet. Well, you know, what? whatever they say, you know, and I've always respected, professionally speaking, I've always respected Garth Brooks a lot. And <laughs> I have no, as professionally, as an entertainer, professionally yes. speaking, uh, leaving art out of the equation, professionally speaking, I really do admire Garth Brooks. That's a guy who's done everything right. Really? Um, the only misstep, and I can hear the cynicism in your voice, the only misstep... <laughs> Marketing-wise, that Garth Brooks has ever made is with that Chris Gaines thing that he tried to do, which I, which even then I applaud that for sort of being interesting. It was sort of an interesting failure. Um, but you know, Garth Brooks, for example, that guy retired about seven years ago, eight years ago, and, uh -huh. has, and has stayed true. It hasn't toured, hasn't uh, been on the road, hadn't performed anywhere. Um, you know, because he's going to wait until he has a pretty good sense of the zeitgeist, and he's going to, you know, because he was a marketing major, he's got a degree in in marketing, which doesn't surprise me at all. Mm. He's going to wait until he knows the moment is absolutely right, and then you mark my words, you write this down. Garth Brooks will do a reunion or comeback tour at some point, and it will be the largest grossing tour in history. You mark my words on that, because he's staying gone. He knows what Britney does not, which is people will never miss you if you're not gone. So yeah. You just don't even care. You don't well, care about any of this, do you? Yeah, I do. I Garth, though. You. I don't look. I'm, I'm not saying that like I'm a big Garth Brooks fan or whatever. I mean, I'm like everybody else. He's got some singles that I like, and most of it I'm indifferent to. Uh, but that guy is a fantastic marketer. I mean, he really him and the people around him. Right. Um, you know, you know I was listening to on uh, when I was on vacation. They were on uh, Fresh Air on 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 OPB. They were replaying some of the. Uh, um, interviews they've done with heavy metal guys. Wait, did you hear the Gene Simmons one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'd heard that before. I, I thought it was more. I thought he stormed out, but he didn't. And um, 
he said a couple clever things. She he, she said something or made some assertion about him, and he said, or the pronunciation of his his actual name, and he said, "Close but no guitars." And I thought that was very clever. You know, Gene's a smart guy. He but really he is. said he said uh, at one point I thought it was this was like an indelible quote. He said, um, "I don't want to be in a rock and roll band. I want to be in a rock and roll brand." <laughs> he's he's another guy though that is just completely and unabashedly. You know, he is just—he is the prototypical uh, American in many ways. Gene Simmons is. I mean, I'm, I really you see you smirk at all these things, but I really well, mean. Well, yeah, no, but it's the bad part of America. It's the—it's the P.T. Barnum kind of America, ah. where you figure out exactly what people are going to pay for something that you don't have to work very hard to do, and then that's precisely what you give them. Well, I would, at precisely those rates. I would. And that's I would, why so much of what he does sucks. I would dispute the—I would dispute the doesn't have to work very hard part. Well, or he's working hard at something, but I don't think it's would, necessarily on the uh, the satisfyingly creative and interesting stuff. Well, I suppose I suppose someone who is not a fan of Kiss the Band might come to such a conclusion. But uh, as but I have said many many times, without getting into the the merit of Kiss's music, which is inherently subjective, I have said for a long Actually, time. Actually, to some degree, mm, no. That, there is an objective. I mean, I think there are some objective criteria. Look, look, I'll tell you this right now. You know that you know, Kiss has sold more than any band in music history. But, but that's not but, part of the but, criteria. But for the Beatles, and I would say there is a general consensus among uh, American record buyers that they have made music worth purchasing. <laughs> yeah, but they're the same people who are buying Garth Brooks I'll records. Get, you, know, but you know what? Garth Brooks makes satisfying pop songs. But if you're really going to, but are you really seriously going to judge people by whether? I mean. There is a certain, um, I mean, not to sound too much like the snob that I clearly no, am. I was going to say, you don't want to sound like an elitist, Peter. Well, uh-huh. someone's got to be. <laughs> That's the, right and I there. like a lot of crappy stuff myself. That's I thought I... Super Bad over the weekend. I thought that was a fantastic movie. See, but why do, see, but why do you even need to say that? Why do you have to say, I've, I love crappy stuff myself, and then immediately I saw Super Bad over the weekend? Because I'm funky, I'm of the people, and but, I can do that robot but I'm, dance. But, but I'm saying, like... Th- I, it, I sort of reject the idea that that just because uh, you were there with a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of commoners who liked it, that therefore it's crap. No, I wasn't. I, I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's better than a lot of those so-called serious movies. All right. Well, anyway, you were saying? Um, I can't remember, but I was re- I was totally dissing you, whatever it was. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, no, I was going to say that just because somebody buys, just because a record becomes popular, often I think that means that you know it's been marketed toward a lowest common denominator. I mean, I think that's what makes a lot of things super popular is because you don't have to think really hard to enjoy it. Uh, you know, you don't we, have to. You know, it's often a mis- it's, I think it's when really really cool, interesting stuff becomes successful. It's like more. It's more a mistake of the zeitgeist. Than, than, you know, and the fact that, like, somebody, I mean, look at the top ten at any given moment, you know, eight out of ten or nine out of ten of it's, like, total just, you know, crap. It's not even going to be around in nine months, you know, and occasionally, because it's just whatever. It's like whipped cream. It's like shooting Cool Whip in your mouth. And it's fun and interesting for that moment, but then it, you know it doesn't doesn't stick to your ribs. I suppose if that was the, I suppose if that was the case, though. I mean, if that was so the you case, could say like so. Then you're trying to tell me something along the lines of, well, therefore, 
Kiss is more, influ- you know, is, is 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 somehow more significant than Bob Dylan. I'm saying that we're still talking about Kiss 30 years after the fact, and they're still selling records 30 years after the fact. We yeah, we're, can't ta- we're still talking about Lee Harvey Oswald. That doesn't make him a great American. <laughs> that's it. Or we have to end the Kiss discussion on that phrase because that's the best thing you've ever said, right there. <laughs> we'll put that on a tape loop, Jack. That is genius. Now I just got to hear you talk to Gene Simmons. If I can set that interview up someday, my life will be gold. Sometime uh, offline, let, remind me to tell you the story of this guy that I met in L.A. Uh, last summer who uh, had uh, used to be a journalist, and uh, he was taking me around for this weekend when I was doing book-related stuff. And um, he had been a journalist and had interviewed uh, Gene Simmons way, like many, many years ago, like in the late 70s. Right. And he described this ex- when <laughs> Simmons was talking about how uh, – when they Kiss first became famous, the other guys in the band all started doing drugs and stuff because that's what they were, you know, drinking and drugging sure. and doing all that stuff because that's what they really wanted to do. And he said, uh, and he quoted him saying, uh, or he was, and he did this great imitation of Gene Simmons' voice, that sort of weird professorial tone he had. Right, right. And he said, but the thing is, Ken, I didn't want to do drugs. There's only one thing that I like to do. And this guy, Ken, was telling me, you know, and I could tell he wanted me to ask what it was. And I knew what he was going to say. I knew what the answer was, and I didn't want to know. But he was looking at me, and I had no option. So I said, (laughs) well, Gene, what is it that you like to do? And he goes, well... What I like to do is, and then he said something that we can't say on the radio. And then he interjected a euphemism for uh, an, an orifice. Well, to... Or an act. An act. Yeah, all right. Well, and then he went on and began to repeat it in a variety of other ways, <laughs> talking about the extent to which and how the frequency. He tells and this, Gene Simmons actually he, himself, he tells this great story about when he was dating Cher for a while, and Cher was the first uh, sort of uh, quasi-serious, you know, the first non-one-night-stand relationship that he had. Mm. And Cher comes back to his, you know, whatever, his lair, uh, wherever it is, you know, his, his his cave adorned with dragon scales or whatever it was he was living in the 70s. And, like, as he said, he and he, G, Simmons himself tells this story, as trying to sort of break the ice. So they're sitting on the couch in his apartment. He's like, so uh, would you like to see... Uh, well, would you like to see this book full of Polaroids of women I've had sex with? And he and he's trying to break the ice with Cher by showing her this book full of like explicit Polaroids that he's taken of himself and groupies. And he said that he couldn't at the time understand why Cher was not turned on by that. That she he thought she'd find it like to be a big upper. So he's got some issues, and that's the one question that Terry Gross should have asked him at some point, which I think she got mad and she couldn't quite break through. But I think the question I kept wanting to hear her say was something along the lines of, do you think that you're so seedingly insecure because of the absence of a relationship with your father? Like, is that why you're constantly, why you wear the codpiece and why you have to, you can only express yourself in the most raw sort of sexual terms? Well, he's he's talked uh, at length about, uh, for example, his mother and how he's actually said he's made no bones about it. He said the fact that because he was a, an immigrant uh, and uh, you know grew up, I think it was like in Spanish Harlem or wherever, and he you know grew up in some real bad place. Nah, he grew up in Long Island, I think. That's not true. 
I don't think that's true at all unless they move there later in his childhood because he's told, I mean, they could be apocryphal, but he's told many stories about his mo- never seeing his mother because she was gone working right. all the time. And he said that it was instilled in him early on. I might be wrong, but I thought he was a suburban uh, guy. No, no. He had a very, uh, by all accounts, he had a very destitute uh, childhood. And he's told many stories about his mother being gone so frequently trying to make money to support him as a single mother, uh, you know, in, in what I guess of the early, you know, the, the early to mid 40s, that he said he resolved as a child to be become wealthy. He said, that was my goal. He's like, that's it. That's all I wanted to do. It's like, I resolved to become, uh, um, you know, a multimillionaire. It's like, that was his, he made that decision as a kid. Um, so I don't think he makes, I mean, the great thing about Gene is like, he just, you know, I don't think he ever is deceptive about anything. And I think that people can't cope with the fact that he gives you an honest answer. Well, the only, the only mitigating factor, the only thing that makes me suspect that the whole business is just showbiz and complete nonsense is that when you look at that show that was on, I forget what cable channel. Family Jewels. Yeah. yeah. His kids, and particularly his son, are so clearly intelligent and delightful um, that uh, somebody in that family is doing something right. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, he's a whip-smart guy. There's just no getting around it. And, just, you know, when he has a... You know, with his kids, uh, he's uh, talked a lot about how there's a zero-tolerance policy in his house for any kind of uh, drinking, any kind of drug use, any kind of whatever. I know that there's a clause. If you sign a recording contract with Gene Simmons, if you sign the Simmons Records, I know there is a clause in con- in uh, his record contract with- that he signs with any artist who signs with him that if at any point uh, you are found to be, in, whether by the law or by him, found to be in possession of illegal narcotics or medicines which are not prescribed to you, uh, that you know that you are you know, it's a breach of contract and you are li- you are you are uh, on the hook for recoupment as they say and any and all costs that may uh, derive from that. Harsh. So he's yeah, which is I guess kind of unrock, but that is Gene Simmons. Uh, we're way over time here, but I uh, hey, how great was Mad Men on Thursday? Best episode yet. Yeah, you know what? I'm still behind. I got to start. In uh, fact, maybe that's what I'm going to do tonight is watch catch up on that. You got to watch it. It is. It really is fantastic. And I'd say that as much as part of me didn't want to know more about Don Draper because I love that guy as sort of a blank. Mm. Um, the little bit that they reveal is fascinating. And I won't give it away because you haven't seen it, but there is a sequence where he's at the Bohemian Girls' apartment, and you see him at a crossroads where he is, I think, trying to figure out who he is inside and what he's going to do. He takes one step down, let's say, the left fork of the road, and then I think sort of backs up and realizes that it's not for him and and goes even further down the other fork of the road. Uh, And it's all predicated on this long flashback to his childhood. So um, So he didn't dance like a robot. I'm just saying. You'll have to see it, and then you uh, see what conclusion you come to. Oh, and there's at last some development of the Salvatore character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who has been sort of neglected thus far. Right, um, right. It's just a chilling, haunting, very compelling show, and this episode in particular. Okay, I'm Um, down, I'm down. Anything good people need to watch, or is it all crap this week? Ooh. Um... Just what we... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off guard by talking about television. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, um, I uh, no, it's kind of still a little bit of the calm before the storm. Nashville, the the, the Fox show is opening on, I believe, Thursday or Friday, and it just sucks, sucks in a bad, <laughs> bad way. But it's it, it's almost ba- so bad that it's good. Let's put it that way. Duly noted. Yeah, anyway. All right, excellent, my friend. As always, it's a pleasure. Uh, Peter Carlin, read him in print in the Oregonian, online at OregonLive.com. Thank you, sir. Or as Gene Simmons would say, thank you very much. All right, Peter Carlin, God bless him. All right, back after this. Tim Riley, are you preparing news for us? Oh, yeah. How exciting. The process never ends. All right.
Uh, back after this, here's the drive-by truckers. Emerson radio program. Uh, let's see. We'll get calls here in a second. Storm Large, Russian News, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. We'll get all that stuff here in a second. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. $100,000 for that woman accused of shooting her husband four times after an argument over an affair. This happened after Cheryl Jean Martin called the cops, called 911, said she shot her husband but didn't know if he was alive. They live in the Richfield area. They live in a nice house, but he was sent to live outside in the motorhome. <laughs> she opened the door of the motorhome after she went out to the garage to get a gun and shot him several times. It was a 16-gauge shotgun. And... Uh, well, she looked like at one time she was a nice lady, and she looks very sad in court. What What else is there really to say? At, at a certain point, he'd been sent out back to live in the motorhome. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all you need to know about that couple. So that's that. And we're done. Uh, Macaw Travel Police say they'll come, they'll come down hard on the hunters who shot and killed a gray whale over the weekend. Hopefully they come down hard in front of a firing squad. They say the uh, killing is a blatant violation of tribal law and promise to prosecute those responsible. Excellent. There are five people involved here, and hopefully they get theirs. Good for them. Uh, Florida officials believe two boys who thought it was fun to set cockroaches on fire are to blame for burning down their grandfather's home. They say the 8- and 10-year-old boys were sleeping over the house when they used alcohol and lighter to ignite several cockroaches they found in their bedroom. To be fair, the cockroaches in Florida do have it coming. Mm -hmm. The uh, spark apparently flew onto the bed, and within minutes, the whole house went up in flames. Well, Apple announces they've sold their millionth iPhone, even though they were overpriced to begin with. Uh, just 74 days after the combination cell phone iPod went on sale. And the price was kept by a third in less than a week. You know, never mind. And don't forget, the heat wave is still in effect. Be careful if you're old or feeble. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. All right. I think that's all I need to say. Okay. Um, I was going to know that Susan Reynolds' husband uh, bought an iPhone. I thought you said he bought a motorhome. No. <laughs> He's been sent out to live in. No, he, uh, <laughs> no, he bought an iPhone, and he was all... Like everybody else who's fallen under Steve Jobs' Jedi mind trick spell, he was all angry that they then came out with a price cut, ignoring the fact that that's what happens when you're an early adopter. You pay more. Mm -hmm. And then, just as Steve Jobs intended, he was all, it's so exciting, he's giving me $100 back. Like all of the Apple, no offense, minions, just all doing cartwheels. Steve Jobs, he gave me $100 back. Steve Jobs, really, who just is... He does have that reality distortion field because, of course, he's not giving you $100. These news stories that Apple is giving you $100 back if you bought the phone early, but, of course, it's not. They're giving you $100 in Apple Store credit. Let me tell you, friends, there's nothing at the Apple Store that costs less than $199. That's a great store. Uh-huh. And if you want to spend just two or three more $100 more, you'll be able to use that $100 store credit. So you've got to admire Steve Jobs because let's examine how brilliant he is. He gets you to pay too much for the iPhone in the first place. He then lowers the price so even more people will buy it. 
He then makes it up to the initial buyers by giving you $100 in store credit, which you must then spend like $300 to, to use. So then he gets $200 more from you, and he gets all the headlines that say, Steve Jobs gives hundreds of dollars back to everybody. I mean, it is like brilliant. Every single step of it is brilliant. People are actually now giving him hundreds of dollars more to use the credit that he gave them for something he got them to pay too much for in the first place. And he gets all the great headlines where he looks like Mother Teresa giving out $100 bills to the poor. <laughs> I mean, it's genius. He really is just fantastic. He is probably the best marketer in America at this point. God bless him. Where's my iPod? <laughs> Where is my iPod? All glory to the hypnotoad. All glory to Tim Riley, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through like us. Um, do we have another break? We have a small one. Okay, well, let's get these calls, and then we'll do that. We'll just take these in no particular order. We'll get Killer Clowns and Storm Large here in a second. Hello about the Russian news story. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey. So they banned a bunch of phrases. You know that the people are going to be saying the exact same thing using different words. Totally, yes. You know? You can't, we don't have the money for that is now, you know, budget constraints prevent us from doing this. That's exactly what it is. Yes, as we all know, the bureaucrats will find a way to blame this. I'm sorry. We're uh, we're under budget again for the, uh, the, you know, another quarter. We're sorry about that. Ask us next quarter. That's what they always say. Yeah, that'll be effective. And so the other thing is, how are they enforcing this? Uh, in Russia, probably with a pitchfork. <laughs> probably with an axe handle and your loved ones uh, in a basement somewhere. I was going to say, you know, the next person who says it's not my job, it won't be. No. <laughs> well, no. Well done, sir. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. About killer clowns from outer space. Hello, sir. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. I might have asked you this before, but um, you're a big fan of well-done pop music. Uh, heard much of the Dickies? Uh, you know, it's funny. He just left the room. He's not in here. But you know who's a big Dickies fan, actually? The punk band from the Bay Area. Uh, Tim Riley is really into those guys. Are you uh, serious? Yeah. it's. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if he still like follows them, but I do that because they are from San Francisco, I believe. I think they're from the Bay Area. And I know that Tim, sort of back in the day when he lived in California, would go to see those guys occasionally. And they do the theme song. To killer clowns from outer space. Exactly, exactly. Well, they they did a lot of other stuff. And the thing about you know musician friends of mine, I'll I'll turn them on to them over you know once once in a while, and and they all say, man, these guys sound so good. I mean, they have a really well polished pop sound. Um, and you know, of course, they hit their apex in the '80s. You know, like a lot of those bands did. Yeah. Uh, but um, love them or hate them, they always have a really good sounding. Um, you know, uh, product. And the other thing I was going to say is uh, Peter Carlin, Dance Dance Revolution. What? Crickets, crickets. Um, just, well, you were asking Peter Carlin if he could dance. Oh, if he could dance. Uh, just visualizing him at the next listener party, and we'll get we'll rent one of those machines. I, I just want to see it. Yeah, just, you know, I, I was just going to say, and I know it's been a good Peter Carlin segment when I get hate mail about him actually during the call. Do you know what I mean? I really love it when you two will take opposite points on the same the same subject, such as pop music or something, because you're both vehemently um, vehemently um, uh, opposed to each other, but you both have really good strong points. Well, and you know, Peter is he he and I are both true believers in uh, in rock. You know what I mean? Exactly. But in very different kinds of rock. The the phrase rock means something much different to him than it does to me. 
But the two of you um, have so very well articulated points. It's almost like you're just sort of sitting back, you know, and watching a couple of debate majors go back and forth on some, you know, some uh, topic or something. It's he is great. great. He and I should do some sort of rock panel or something one of these days. The, the Cisco right. of Ebert of 20-year-old of, of uh, hits or something. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, we got a break. Uh, be back after this with a Storm Large call. I don't know how much of this is buffered. Let's see if I can uh, see if I can play us into break with this. I don't know if this is going to play or not. We'll see. This is the Dickies and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I can already tell this isn't going to work. All right. Well, let's just go into break here. Uh, back after this, we'll wrap it up uh, around the corner. Stay right there. It's the Rick Everson Radio Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of our show. Uh, let's get this final call for today about uh, Storm Large. Hello. Hi, Rick. This hey. is Terry. Hey, Terry. Um, Storm had a TV commercial on Friday for her new play, The Cabaret. Oh, for Cabaret, yeah. And it was fantastic. It was basically just her her face. and she, You know how she does her face with her eyes moving and she's all... Kind of weird. She has a very expressive face. Yes, and it was real dark bat lit, and it was fantastic. And it was on twice, and I just didn't know if anybody had seen it. Actually, I'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah, yeah, it was Excellent. wonderful. Thank you. Okay, thanks. All right, there you go. Um, Rick, this email says, as we close out the show, at least Marianne Rambo has a badass action movie name. I've had to go through my whole life with the last name of Woodcock, which is bad enough in its own right, but now has been further sullied by that douche Billy Bob Thornton in his most recent movie called Mr. Woodcock. Oh, that's bad. If anyone should be wishing for sweet, merciful death, it should be me, not Ms. Rambo. By the way, my grandfather's full name was Dick Woodcock. God really hates my family. That's Jesse. All right, there you go. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Scotty. I, uh, I don't even know that I have the Woodcock sounder. Wait, hold on. Can I play this? For the love of God. How's your woodcock doing? Oh, my darling little woodcock. There you go. Are you happy? Uh, <laughs> uh, what the hell are we doing? We're ending. We're ending. And we're done. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents Lisa Goddard, James Roop, and from the Oregonian, Peter Carlin. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Chris Sneathan from OnTheVig.com and more merriment. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, the PA, Scotty J, the gatekeepers, Dave's in. Like us next, Don and Mike at 7. We'll see you tomorrow at 11. Until then, don't let the bastards grind it down. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. But he's gay.